Hello, and welcome to Probably Science. I'm Jesse Case. I'm one of your hosts, one of three. Um, I'm not going to be joined by Andy Wood and Matt Kirshen, but they're going to be together um, doing a show, doing a regular show here in a minute. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a little audio update, tell you what's going on with me and my ass. Um, so I finally got around to listening to the episode they recorded, the mini episode, um, where they sort of gave you guys the news. Um, I, I couldn't listen to it right away. You know, it's like too emotional. Um, but I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I got some, uh, few emails that were like, yeah, they're sure are joking a lot about this. And, it's, uh, guys, they, they get the go ahead. Everybody gets the go ahead. You guys all get the go ahead. In fact, if any of you can use this to get laid, do it. Um, you know what I mean? Just be like, look, just go to a bar and prop up alone. And, uh, and eventually someone will be like, what's wrong, buddy? And just say, look, my, uh, I listen to this podcast and one of the hosts has ass cancer, you know? And, uh, and then maybe they'll at least buy you a beer. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you'll get a free Lagunitas, everybody. Lagunitas, uh, official sponsor of ass cancer. Um, so, so yeah, here's the deal. I'm back in Nashville, Tennessee, um, at my folks place and it's been interesting. I apologize for the audio quality. Um, future audio quality will be better. I, I just have to, you know, I just sort of had to record this on the fly it's been nonstop. I mean, this has been something, I guess I was diagnosed coming up on two weeks ago, but it's been crazy. Like it's been crazy. It was like diagnosis day, got biopsies. The next day it was like confirmation and then basically getting a flight booked. And in that time, uh, in that interim, my mom was in town, this out in LA. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to see my friends and whatnot because I didn't have a prognosis yet. I didn't really know what context I would be saying goodbye to people in. Um, so it was just really important to me that I saw people. And it's weird because uh, I one of the biggest, obviously, this whole thing's a huge mindfuck for me. And, and I'm going to tell you guys, you know, the prognosis and the deal and all that. Um, and uh, the plan, the treatment plan. But obviously this thing's been a huge, huge mindfuck. But the, the thing is, it's multiple mindfucks at once. It's not just like dealing with cancer. Like you always imagine, I always imagined anyway in the past, like, oh, if anything like that were to happen, you know, that would be all you think about. That would be the struggle. Um, but there's a lot of weird stuff. And one of the biggest things that's been like crazy is realizing that I affect people. Um that sounds weird and like really low self-esteem because I have, so I've had low self-esteem my whole life. I felt like a fucking outsider idiot loser. And, um, I got like a thousand emails from you guys and tweets and it's like means more. I mean, it's, it's been crazy and I never knew that, you know, like I just walk around assuming no one gives a fuck or whatever. So that's been something to deal with. Um, quite frankly, it's been a lot of pressure and I resent it for those of you that didn't email me. Um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'd like to at least continue living my life as close to uh, insecurely as I could before. Hey, folks, let me tell you something real quick. Sorry, I have to do this. Um, you know, sometimes you get cancer and you go through chemotherapy. And when you go through chemotherapy, stuff happens. Sometimes you start losing your hair. Well, you don't want to walk around with a bunch of scraggly hair, do you? You don't want to walk around with a patchy ass head. That's ridiculous. You're going to need to shave it off. Western Razor, everybody. WesternRazor.com. 
It's a great razor. It's a safety razor. Um, shave your chemo head. And uh, you put in the offer code SCIENCE. That's at westernrazor.com. You get $5 off. And it's a heavy-duty razor. It's great. Um, it's like the one your old grandpa had, you know? Um, uh, so you can pretend you're him. And it's easy to clean. It's easy to do. You might say, Jesse, uh, sure, but I can't afford the blades. I can't afford the blades. And I say, you're being a dumb twat right now. You're being high-maintenance is what you're being. You're being high-maintenance about a low-maintenance razor. That's Western Razor for your chemo head. And, uh, yeah, it's like you buy the blades in bulk. They're like a nickel each. And uh, put in that offer code SCIENCE over at westernrazor.com and get one of those sent over to you to shave off your body hair. Um, okay, that's probably not the segue they wanted me to use. They probably wanted it, like, more upbeat. But, uh, you know, they can uh, go fuck themselves. So, anyway. <laughs> that's so stupid. Um... So uh, I, I, the, the amount of emails and all that has been, um, so touching and so in, it's made me feel so fucking warm and fuzzy. Uh, and that may be the tumor. I don't know the symptoms yet. Um, I don't think tumors grow hair, so I wouldn't think it would feel fuzzy. Um, so maybe the warmth is from that, but you guys certainly make me feel fuzzy. And, um, it's been incredible. Like it's been incredible. I, uh, so, so here's the deal. Um, first I'll give you guys the bad news, then the good news, and then the plan. Um, uh, oh, and first I wanted to tell you guys that since I listened to last week's episode so recently, the Daffodil Tea plan totally worked. I was like really disappointed in you fucking people, um, that everyone was recommending pseudoscience. And then I listened to the episode and laughed my ass off. It's so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> you guys are hilarious and you're dicks and I love it. Um, so anyway. Uh, that's that. Um, so here's the deal. Here's the bad news is that, uh, I am stage four. I have stage four colon cancer. Um, sorry. I didn't give like some drum roll before that. I lack the technology right now, but we'll be going to guitar center later and I'm going to have lots of drum rolls or maybe someone can put one in. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe I could do one with my Western razor guys, westernrazor.com. That's going to be $5 off with the offer code science. Um, so yeah, stage four. And that sucks, right? Oh, no. What a douche. What kind of fucking asshole, literally, what kind of asshole gets stage four cancer? What are you, some kind of fucking, some kind of natural selection? What's going on there? What are you, some kind of weakling with your stage four cancer? And yes, I realize this probably has to do with the fact that I smoke cigarettes through my asshole. Um, but it's a quitting method. What I do is I'll do the first two hits through the asshole and then switch to my mouth and sort of doing the ass to mouth with the cigarette helps me get the bad taste in my mouth and whatnot. Um, uh, that was the plan anyway, but all it's really done is made me more kinky and given me ass cancer. So, um, so yeah, it's stage four and here's, here's what happened basically is I went in for my colonoscopy and their confidence Crohn's. Um, and they're saying, you know, we're going to give you, get you hooked up with the steroids when we figure out exactly what this is. And the anesthesiologist is awesome. She's got like a Radiohead tattoo. We're making jokes. She listens to podcasts. She's going to listen to this podcast. I hope I plugged it. Um, cause I tell everybody, you know, and, um, this, the, the guy, not the surgeon, but the, uh, gastroenterologist comes in. He's a super cool dude. Um, and he's like, Hey man, this is going to be awesome. You're going to have a sweet drug sleep. And, uh, you know, oh, and by the way, let me say this really fucking quick. 
Um, I don't mean for this to sound weird, but uh, the drug they gave me, propofol, propanol, it's the Michael Jack. It's the drug that killed Michael Jackson, and it totally made me understand Michael Jackson. Like, it's the best drug in the world. It's the best. It's the fucking best. And if I was a billionaire king of pop, I would totally hire some shady doctor to shoot me up with it every day. And I literally had the thought sitting there uh, in post-op where I was like sitting there coming down off this thing that, uh, and here's what makes me understand MJ. Um, I could probably molest a kid and not feel bad about it. Like on that drug, like when you're that stoned on that stuff, like I could still sleep at night. Now, luckily that's not a thing I want to do. You know, I'm not into that. Um, but I'm saying I get it. Like if you're loaded up on that drugs, you can justify behavior and it's not like I'm giving him a pass, you know, but I sort of, I was just like, yeah, I, I get why, I get why he had to do this. Um, so I definitely consider him less conscienceless. Is that a word? I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm rambling. That's okay. Hope you're good with it. I got fucking can't fuck you. You know, give me a pass. Jesus Christ. You guys are sitting there with Jesse, you're rambling to fuck with your standards. Fast forward if you want. You know what I mean? I'm taking, I'm on a time clock. I got limited time here. And I'm taking time to fuck you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I go in for the colonoscopy and they're giving me the uh, kid molest drug and then they're going to shove a GoPro up my ass. And I'm laying there. And, um, any of you that's been, uh, that have been put under anesthesia know it's like instant time travel. Like you just black out and then wake up in a different room. And this is the most surreal experience that's ever happened to me. I'm going to put it in like a short film or something. It's fucking nuts. I'm laying there. They, they start the injection and sh the anesthesiologist, again, she's super cool. She's like, all right, this is going to be an awesome nap, you know, see you on the other side or whatever. And I go, cool. And I'm laying there in the OR and I start breathing, you know, they have oxygen sort of in your nose. Um, I start breathing and then slowly everything just fades to black. And then immediately in my mind, I wake up, I'm in a different room and there's just a room full of people crying at me. Um, so that's not good. You know, that's not a cool event expecting Crohn's all willy nilly. And now I got some nurse and an anesthesiologist and my mom standing there all teary. And at first I thought something else happened. You know, I was like, uh, was it like, was there an earthquake or something? I have a huge fear of being under anesthesia and like an earthquake happens, especially with something up your ass, like something five feet up your ass during a quake. And then you just wake up when the, it kills everybody maybe. And you wake up when the IV bag runs out and you have to pull the thing out of your ass yourself and then go find your city destroyed like 28 days later. But like with that caveat of a metal snake up your ass, someone write that screenplay. Um, so they did a bunch of biopsies while they're up there. Uh, and the problem is he, uh, the, the colonoscopy was not able to be completed because they hit a tumor. They hit a huge fucking tumor and, you know, so he had to pull the thing back out and whatever. And he comes in gives me the news, tells me that, uh, you know, I got a big tumor up my ass and that's very sobering. So then I was instantly no longer feeling the effects of the Michael Jackson drug. And at that point, would have felt very guilty should I have felt like touching a kid, which I don't. Okay. Which I don't. But, um, that, yeah, that was very sobering and probably would have saved MJ. They, they could have just slapped him in the face and lied to him said, you have a tumor up your ass and, uh, he'd still be with us making overrated music. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so they did the biopsy and everything. And then he calls me the next day and says, it's cancerous. Um, and that was the worst night of my life. Obviously I, you know, it was just fucking, it was too much. It was too much. And everything just changed everything. And I had to figure out how to go back home, how to say goodbye to my friends. I don't know how bad the shit is yet. You know, um, do all that, get back in Nashville. And it's been nonstop. Um, and then I go in for PET scans, CT scans, more blood work, whatever. I meet with my oncologist um, and they tell me that it's stage four because it's spread to my liver. Um, so that is the, you know, if you look up, if you were to look up the stats on stage four cancer, um, it would say the five-year survival rate is 10%. Um, and, you know, that's a huge bummer. So that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Here's all the good stuff. Um, uh, that those stats probably don't really apply to me. Um, <laughs> uh, here's what I've learned and bear in mind, I'm the world's biggest pessimist. This isn't some blind hope kumbaya bullshit. I'm not going to get all Jesus-y on you. Uh, that's not what this is about at all. This is like complete realism. And I made my oncologist, I made the whole team promise to not sugarcoat stuff. I'm not some like Southern cheesecake factory employee that has to grope with this. I've, I've been very existential my whole life. So it's like, I just kind of told her like, look, if I'm fucked, you have to just tell me. So I'm not wasting my time because I think a lot of people calm themselves down in these situations by saying like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And then they're calm until the next like wave of panic hits. And I really want to be okay with the fact that I might not be okay. Cause to me, that's total freedom. That's like enlightenment. Like, uh, like stare it in the face, stare the fucker in the face and say like, I'm okay. As you guys know, I play chess, not really worried about meeting death. I could probably beat him. I don't know. Uh, we've discussed it before on the show. So here's the deal. Um, and you guys are scientists, a lot of you. So you'll understand this. Some of you work in the cancer field. Um, so you know this, uh, the staging of cancer stage one through four, that's how they stage it, um, is very interesting. Uh, there are multiple steps on each stage and each one has to do with symptoms and spread. So there's stage zero, which is like potentially malignant polyp in your ass. Right. Um, and then there's stage one, which is like some polyps that are malignant and stage two, which is like they're polyps. They're malignant. They're a little bigger. It may be in a lymph node, uh, stage three, which like it's in four to six lymph nodes and then stage four, which means it's in a few lymph nodes. It's spread to another organ at least. And, th but then that covers everything above that, like everything else. So stage four is this huge spectrum of like all of the cancer that's possible down to the other stages, which are like right next to each other. So like stage three is not that far from stage one, but when you say you're stage four, it's so broad. So I'm a extremely early stage four. I'm right on that line and my lymph nodes and blood work look fine. Um, so they're doing a liver biopsy on Wednesday because it's actually kind of confusing to them. They're like, okay, well the, the tumor is of such a size that you'd think this thing would be in your bones and your brain and shit, but it's not. I have one small spot on my liver, which may not even be cancerous. I won't know till Wednesday. I wish I had an answer. If it is, um, you know, the liver grows back. It's resectable. I mean, it, it's, it's not really a biggie. So they're like, look, this thing, whatever it is, is spreading very slow. So instead of getting surgery, which I know you guys thought I was doing, getting rushed to surgery, uh, they're doing chemo first. And because I'm 29, 
Um, it's going to be hardcore, like three types of chemo. They're like, we want to shrink all this shit by like 70% and then just cut it out of you so we can cut around it, you know, with, we have some safe safety to play with. Um, cause the only way to be completely cured is to remove 100% of those cells. Um, and there's actually pretty good odds on that. Um, the surgeon is like the best guy. Um, the oncologist is like the best team. I really am getting like great, great treatment. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I don't want any of you donating to the show for like medical costs. I know some people have already done that and I really appreciate it and it'll go to the show and I'm going to use it to buy books and stuff. And you know, which is quality of life is just as important. So it's that counts, but, um, don't worry about that stuff. If, if it comes to that and there needs to be some sort of fundraiser or some sort of Kickstarter, go fund me thing. I'll let you know, but don't sweat it. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I got to do chemo for like two months. Um, and the, so I have pretty good chances on that, um, on the total cure, you know, being after surgery and whatnot, and maybe not the first go, you know, cause they'll do it. And then they do another PET scan and they're like, ah, shit, it's still, you know, we, we missed a spot. Um, and then, and then they zap it with some radiation. You go back in and it's, it's sort of like weird management. Either way, it buys me time. So the deal with those stats, the deal with the 10% chance of living five years, um, like I said, that doesn't really apply to me for a variety of reasons. And this is just simple science, simple mathematics. Uh, there's not enough data on sort of people my age. It's really, really rare. Uh, this is like a really rare thing. Thus, the room full of people crying. It's like they weren't even checking for this. Um, so this is a really rare thing. So those stats cover uh, the, the stat, which looks very negative, um, actually covers mainly super, super old people. Um, and also it covers all of stage four, which means that it's stage four people that are caught um, some of them, when it gets caught, it's already in their bones. It's in all their lymph nodes. It's fucking everywhere. You know, they're just fucked. Um, you know, and then it, it's mainly people over 67, 68. It also covers deaths that happen during treatment. You still go into that pool. You still go into that percentage pool, right? Of someone that died. Uh, so you still go into that 90%. Uh, if you like have a heart attack or a stroke, or you get hit by a fucking bus. Um, you just died while you had cancer and it also, the stats go back before a lot of modern treatment. Um, there's still no cure for cancer, of course, but the treatment options and the solutions, this is what I've learned, have been moving incredibly fast. Um, I'd be way more screwed if this was five years ago. You know, I mean, the, the, the research is incredible. Like, it's an incredible field. Um, it's really fascinating. And these people are like geniuses that work on this shit. I mean mitochondrial DNA experts and all, it's amazing. So what I'm saying is if anyone's going to be in that 10% of survivors there, I got the best ingredients for that. And that is a mathematical realistic thing. That's not, you know, that's not like a bunch of, bunch of hooey. I'm not here to give you a bunch of hooey. Um, if this didn't get caught, I would have about three to six months to live. Um, which would be weird and shocking because it would kind of come out of nowhere. Obviously I would just still be out in LA uh, thinking my ass hurts. Um, and then one day I would just get a fever that wouldn't stop. 
uh, no matter what I did, I'd go to the ER, I'd pass out, and that'd be the end of it. And they wouldn't know anything till the autopsy. Uh, and that'd be a way worse mini episode that these guys would have to give you. So um, there's a good chance this thing can be solved. Um, and if not, then I have about two to three years. So that's where we're at. Um, so sorry, that's heavy, I guess. But, um, you know, it, it completely is what it is. It's like the definition of nature. It, it's, there's no one to be mad at. There's no, you know, like I'm, I'm an atheist, right? Uh, and the first couple days after I got this news, I was pissed off. I was an atheist because I was like, man, I could use some faith. That'd be nice, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I tried praying like in the shower and I just felt like a douche. Um, so I was just talking to myself in the shower, you know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but now I'm really glad because there's no one to bargain with. It's like, there's no, why me? It's more of a, why not me? You know what I mean? Like the acceptance level has been great. Uh, it's just like, yeah, yeah, of course. Why not? Of course my ass kills me. Like, of course. So yeah, that's where we're at. You know, I'm going to do the treatment obviously. Cause my chances are good. I'm going to fight like a fucking bastard. Um, and if it starts going South and looks like, you know, they're starting to, the numbers start dwindling, the chances start dwindling, then I'm going to, you know, fucking go camping, hang out with my friends. Either way, I'm going to be back in LA. I'm going to do a ton of shows. I'm going to get an album recorded. I'm going to do all that. Um, and one thing that I wanted to tell you guys, and this is very important. And if you're skipping through this, I want Andy and Matt to plug this again is I am starting a podcast while I'm home, hopefully just for the treatment. Uh, as we speak, the art for it is getting done for the uh, icon on iTunes. And it's going to be called Jesse versus cancer. And what I'm doing is I'm going to be plugging, uh, just sort of plugging along here and discussing it, talking about the treatment, all that, but that's not all I'm going to be doing. Uh, anything you guys want to talk about, we'll talk about, cause I'm, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to fill an hour every week. on just cancer. It'd be like not a comedy podcast. It'd be the biggest fucking bummer in the world. I know this little monologue thing that I'm doing, if you want to call it that is already like not the funniest. Um, and that's not the goal here. Like I have always done comedy. It's not a selfless act. Uh, the reason I do it. It's not for like free drinks and poon, um, but the reason I've always done it, which is coming up on a decade now, the reason I've always done stand-up um, is to feel less alone because um, I felt alone my whole life, just existentially alone. I felt like an outsider. I felt weird. That's my whole life. I've just felt very isolated. And here in the town of Nashville, when I discovered there's a group of people that do this and I can do it too. I started doing it. And then when you start getting laughs from a crowd, especially based on stuff that is really personal or really weird, um, you feel less alone. I mean, that's like a, their laughter is an, it's an empathy. It's a, that's the reaction, right? So while I'm on stage, I feel less alone. Um, now the cool thing about that is that's completely not, that's like the least parasitic relationship ever. It's like a beautiful thing because the audience also feels less, less alone. I know that when you do a podcast, I mean, I think on probably science I've done over 220 hours of rambling with these guys. Um, I have like best friends that I haven't talked to that much. So I, I got quite a few emails from you guys saying like, you know, I feel like you're a friend and I want you to know that I feel the exact same about you. Um, but I, I really do. It might, that might sound fucked up. It might sound one-sided, but you're like with me. You're in my head. You know what I mean? And, um, the, the one thing that I've noticed about getting like a diagnosis like this or whatever, it's like being really drunk. 
meaning it just brings out who you are, but like by 500%. So some drunks are like angry. That's the thing. Like some people get cancer. They turn into bitter fucks. Some people get like really religious. Uh, some people get like violent, you know, they start beating their wives and stuff. Some people get super depressed. Um, but I've always been a really friendly drunk. So like, I, I really, really love you guys. And I mean that. And it's true. Like it's fucking real. That's true. And, um, it's very apparent to me that I can't do this alone. So I'm going to be podcasting, uh, once a week during the chemo, during all the shit. And it's going to be funny. You know what I mean? Whatever. So if you're like a case tard, I'd got to get a better name for my fans. But if you're a case tard, that's what I'm going with right now. Um, you can email me at jessiecasecomedy at gmail.com. That's J E S S E C A S E at gmail.com. And, um, you can ask me anything. You can tell me your fucking story. And again, I put out a thing on like Twitter and Facebook or whatever a while ago. that says, if you want to talk about anything, if you have any advice, whatever, email me and we'll talk about it. And that counts. This podcast, Jesse versus cancer. That's just the tying together theme. Um, cause it's like what I'll be going through. So most of my, most of my stories are going to be cancer based and dude, so far some hilarious shit has happened. The reason this is kind of a somber monologue is cause I don't want to burn material. Like it's been hilarious. It's been really fucked up and weird. And, uh, you know, it's heavy, but it, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like Boko Haram steals children. Like it's, it's the world. It's heavy. So, um, and you know, this podcast, Jesse versus cancer may get heavy at times. Um, either way, here's a deal. It's going to be documenting somebody surviving cancer, or it will be documenting somebody dying. Um, and that sound, you know, that's fucked up, but I think that's important. I think that's valid. And, um, if it can make some other people feel less alone, that's not a bad existence, man. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll fucking take it. I'll take it. So, um, I really, you know, it'll be weird. It'll get heavy. Sometimes it'll get hilarious. Sometimes it'll get dark. It'll get light, but it's all just, you know, I mean, life is whatever. I'm, I've always been fairly indifferent to life. I think that's why I'm handling this so well. Like I give it a three. If I was going to yelp it, life is like, uh, it's like subway sandwiches. I guess that's what life is to me. It's like, it's reliable. It's, it's there. And, uh, it's better when you're stoned and it's really sad in the mornings. Life is a subway. Uh, <laughs> If any country songwriters want to get on that, uh, please forward the royalties to me. Um, actually, I'll share them with the other guys. That's going to be probably science at gmail.com and uh, hmm, Western Razor. So, yeah, uh, Jesse versus cancer. So, like, you know, listen to it. That'd be awesome. But if you want if you want to talk about anything else or get my take on anything else, like some, some people have been asking me, like, relationship advice, all kinds of stuff, I would love to get into that stuff. Because, like I said, I don't want to ramble about cancer the whole time. And if you just want to be in touch, if you want to correspond, let's do it. I'm, I'm like instantly, I'm viewing this as like, it's a vacation with needles. I don't have anything going on. Um, and you know, really here's the deal. <laughs> this sounds so fucked up. Um, I've already just been living my life for years. Like I'm terminally ill. You know what I mean? This isn't like a big, this doesn't turn stuff upside down. I'm in a different town and that sucks. Um, I'm almost 30 and had to move back in with my parents. That sucks. That'd be a podcast on its own. Um, but 
dude, I didn't have to cancel any marathons. You know what I mean? Like I literally live my life. Like I just, I, I wake up too late and have some coffee and like smoke some cigarettes and write dick jokes and like read a book and then go out at night and have fun for a living. You know, like I'm already, this doesn't change much. Uh, <laughs> it's just been emotional, but um, it's been very pure. And I guess that's, I might be the first person ever that's like grateful for this experience. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds weird, but, um, you know, it's a mind fuck, but it's like, it's very real. It's very, um, you know, you feel alive and all that. This is getting too heavy, but also fuck you. You know what I mean? Deal with it. Like deal, just deal. Be a grown up. be a grown up, will you? Um, and since you're a grown up, you're going to get some body hair and you're going to want to get rid of that body hair. Guys, Western razor, that's westernrazor.com. You're going to want to put in the offer code science. You get $5 off. Oh, it's a good safety razor. It's not a danger razor. Those are bad news. Don't buy a danger razor. Buy a safety razor. Hmm? You want to be safe and, uh, you know, use it and rub it against your face and um, get rid of that hair, will you? Clean up. Get your fucking life together. Look more sterile, will you? Look like you're, you know, what are you going to be hanging out all hairy somewhere? People are trying to eat. Trying to watch this movie trying to watch Jurassic World and make fun of the dinosaurs that don't exist and fact check everything, even though they still got my money. Uh, and then, and now I got to deal with your hairy head. Ugh. No, thank What are you, you eating popcorn? You're eating popcorn. You're going to eat popcorn with that amount of facial hair. You're going to get your buttery ass face. Now I'm thinking about cunnilingus. I'm th- imagining you doing cunnilingus with your popcorn face. Cause that's where my brain goes. And I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Now your face is lighting up a bunch of different colors from what's happening on the screen during Jurassic World. So now in my head, you're giving cunnilingus at a rave. I don't need that mental image. And you can prevent that suffering for me by going to westernrazor.com and putting in the offer code science. (laughs) So guys, uh, here's the deal. Right now, I'm doing the treatment. I'm going to do the treatment. I am optimistic about this surgery and all that. I really am. Uh, The odds are good. They really are. Um, and if not, there's some time to play with. And I want you to know that existentially I'm calm. The hardest part of all of this has been dealing with family and friends going through this. Um, it's actually easier for me. I don't have to watch someone suffer. I don't have to watch someone's health decline. I don't have to miss someone when they're gone. I'm just what, who this is happening to, uh, you know, I'm an only child. Um, and if my parents were this upset by anything else, that was parallel to their kid, you know, getting cancer. Like if like they quit making ketchup or something, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a parallel tragedy. If, uh, you know, if like game of Thrones went off the air or something, my parents obviously would have the same reaction. Um, that would still be like the worst event in my life. It'd be the worst thing I've ever seen. So that's the hardest part. So, um, I'm going to do this new podcast and let's, let's talk about it. Let's cut the shit. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? It gets real. Let's be funny about it. Let's fucking do it. And I'm going to be doing tons of shows. Um, the chemo's not going to like fuck me up the whole time. So I'm going to be doing tons of shows, not just in Nashville, but around the Southeast. Obviously, if, if it comes to the point where I have to do a bunch of bucket list shit, um, I'm definitely coming to like London. I'm going to do the deal. I want to meet you guys. I want to hang out. Email me. That's at jessiecasecomedy at gmail.com. Uh, be good to each other. Enjoy Matt and Andy. 
And uh, I'm going to be Skyping with them and all that stuff. So I'll be on some episodes. We'll figure it out. Um, all right. I'm going to go get a very large needle shoved through my abdominal wall. Um, because, you know, basically your Monday is going better than mine. You're going to have a better Monday. So a little perspective for you. Um, sorry I rambled so long. Secretly not sorry. Um, and I really do love you all very much. I look forward to hearing from you. And um, I'm going to be tweeting. My Twitter is uh, at Jesse Case. That's J-E-S-S-E-C-A-S-E. Um, my Facebook is jesse.case.comedian. Uh, and my email is jessecasecomedy at gmail.com. And again, that's J-E-S-S-E. Um, there's no I in there. What are you, a Starbucks employee? Shave your face. Fucking assholes. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Let's do this thing. Huh? Let's get better. All right. So that was Jesse's update, everyone. Uh, kind of bad news, then good news, then funny stuff, then... Oh, just one very quick thing. Uh, out of the information on that, you might remember that he plugged his email address. He plugged that three times. One of the times he said it wrong. Uh, he said Jesse Case rather than Jesse Case Comedy at gmail.com. Uh, don't just email Jesse Case at gmail.com. You'll get some other dude called Jesse Case and he'll wonder why you're making jokes about butts. So, Jesse Case Comedy at gmail.com and also get, start subscribing to the podcast Jesse vs. Cancer. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's not up by the time this goes up, but hopefully he'll have it up within the week or so. Yeah, and, you know, message him and. I'm, I've seen some of the messages that you guys have sent because it's come through to the general Probably Science Gmail account and it's been awesome. Uh, you guys have really come through with some really... That's some great messages. Thank yeah, you. you. Yeah, like, surprising number of, of people who have, who have been through this and have beaten it also. That's, that's always great to hear. So. Yeah, and just as a third-party observer as well, like the, you know, the love that you guys have all been showing to Jesse and it just, as someone who's part of the podcast that's built this up, that means that you know him, that feels really cool. That feels great. So thank you guys. Yeah, um, we are lucky, I feel like, in terms of our fan base, because the internet is largely full of uh, the worst people. And the worst people, right. <laughs> and we are... really don't have any trollish fans. Like, I, Yeah, you know, I don't know what... Yeah, so you guys have been great, and some of you have been informative, and I can't believe the Daffodil Tea thing worked quite as well as it did. So perfect. If he hadn't, li- if he listened right away, it wouldn't have at all, but he didn't want to for like a week, as he said. So it, yeah, everything he, he got, he was like, guys, our listeners are great, but like... I, I thought they were smarter than this. They keep <laughs> just, telling me to totally drink daffodil tea. Yeah. I was like, you might want to listen to the episode because we did a thing. So sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, and nice work. We should introduce our guest. Yes. I've been, we've, I've been wanting to get this guy on for so long. He's one of my favorite comics and he's a great guy. Uh, the uh, amazing Sean Pat. Well, thank you. Wait, uh, qu- did you say daffodil teething? Uh, teething. Okay, so here's what happened. Teething. Yeah. Teething. I thought you said daffodil teething. No, so that's last week, week. Yeah. That's, that's how all British people, yeah. British babies are reared. Like Give around, them daff, daffodils to teeth. Around the, around the one year mark. No, so last week, um, we said, please send Jesse lots of nice things. But the one thing we ask is don't send bullshit cures for cancer or oh, yeah. stories about just or any of that pseudoscience b- bullshit that everyone who ha- goes through this suddenly gets. They'll get a flood of people. Hey, have you considered this? Um and so we said, please don't do that. And no Jesus and then, anything. Right. right. Yeah. And then at some point that morphed into, or oh, everyone send him the same bullshit. Ah, <laughs> and, he loves tea. Yeah. And 
Holy shit, you did. You guys it really... Worked. It really worked. <laughs> you guys really came through. But stop it now, because he's onto it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you... I, I, Jesse, I've known Jesse for eight years. You Nine pro- years. I think you, that would probably be the longest out of all of us then. Yeah, and that would have yeah. been when he started comedy, I think. I met I met Jesse in New York at a open mic at the Comedy Cellar. Okay. okay. In 2007. So eight years, yeah. Right. Because he showed up... And actually, of all the terrible comedy clubs in New York, as far as like open mics are concerned, the cellar wasn't that bad. It was not, you know, because it's tiny, a great club. Yeah, it's a great club. Yeah, but I met Jesse there with his dumb trucker hat. <laughs> Just <laughs> which one is it? Exactly, that okay. guy's never retired the trucker hat look. And this was like 2007, in my opinion, a good three years after the trucker hat had yeah, hit its peak. But I'd be 2000s. proven wrong because it's still, it's still around. Is it? Yes. Is, mainly, is the mainly, hipster dead, by the way? Do you believe the hype that I hipster be, as, I, a, as a thing is dead? Well, here's the thing. I think hipster has been dead since it started. Right. And that's the thing that the true hipsters have been on to. Yeah. It's like, ha-ha, we threw the smoke. But they then again, no it. true hipster would ever identify as a hipster. Exactly. Also, no, like, my mom, five years ago, dressed as a hipster for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> my, fifth, my, 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 my now 60-something-year-old mother, but like, so in her late 50s, was like, I'm a hipster. <laughs> How like, does she even know? I tried to explain it to a coworker in like 2002 or three, and I couldn't. I couldn't come up with a good, good I rem- definition. I remember my mom know. wore jean shorts, okay. fucking uh, fishnet stockings, <laughs> like a t a t uh, an Eagles, but that was a real. It was her Eagles Hell Freezes Over t shirt. So she likes the Eagles, so right? Right. right. Yeah. And then, but then, like a shirt underneath it and fingerless gloves. And she was like, I'm a hipster. And Converse. Fearless gloves. And she's like, I'm a hipster. And I'm like, you're not that far off. <laughs> also, my mom's not Jewish. That's a New Orleans accent. I'm a hipster. But, um, yeah. The, the, I honey, think- honey, eat your gumbo. <laughs> eat your gumbo. You're going to go Laissez le bon temps roulet. <laughs> eat the gumbo. That's actually, people ask me what a New Orleans accent sounds like. I'm like, take, if you're a woman, take an old Jewish woman and give her a volume. And now she don't care as much. She's just a little more laid back. What? What are you doing? You're a hipster? That's a female New Orleans accent. But no one says Nolans. No one says says Nolans. Nobody biting gumbo out. Nobody going to leave. Let me go bite an alligator tail. Make a wish. (laughs) Nobody's doing that, unfortunately. Right. But um, I met. I think the hip. I think real hipsters since the mid aughts have been living in places like Orange County and Jersey City. And Peoria, Illinois, wearing pleated khakis, listening to like the, the first Big Head Todd and the Monsters album. You know what I mean? They were like, "Yeah, let them go. Let you guys go after. Yeah, tight jeans. Yeah, yeah, that's that's us." And meantime, they're busy doing something Isn't no one this, else is on to. That's a thing. Normcore, right? Normcore. Normcore. What? Yeah, that, no. That was maybe that already came and went. Also, that was probably like eight years ago. I feel like. Uh, unisex fashion trend characterized by unpretentious, average-looking clothing. Uh, let's see if Wikipedia gives it any dates. Yeah, I think it was like a reaction to that, but it was trying to stay ahead of the. So uh, anything can be core or porn now. Yes, yes. you yeah, have yeah. norm porn. Yep, you know, like this, like basically, a podcast is just information porn. No. Yeah, yeah. I'll Conversation porn? Fun. Humor porn? Humor porn? No, you're right. Like porn, Or it, it radio gets, core? It's, it's over... Yeah, porn yeah. as a suffix is way... It's, it's just the like same oh. way. a thing I like. Yeah. Like the way they try to make things sexy. Like that I mean, nowadays it's, oh, it's, sexy, it's basically you know? suffix porn. Yeah. Porn, porn is that... Porn is, <laughs> porn is suffix core. 
<laughs> yeah. I think actually Jeanine Groffalo hit the nail on the head with this. When she was talking about gate also as a suffix. Like why the fuck? It just happened to happen at a hotel called the Watergate. Like gate oh, doesn't yeah, mean yeah, controversy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just doesn't. the name. Well, it's also just just like how people. Here's the fun part. Like how, how people use the phrase literally. Like it's not that anyone's really using it wrong definition in a definition sense. Mm-hmm. But they're using it like wrong in degree because the only reason you'd say literally is to be like, no, I actually did this in a situation where you wouldn't actually do it. Like right. if, if I was like, I did a podcast today and Andy literally beat the shit out of me. Yeah. Because you wouldn't normally beat the shit out of me. Not normally. Not normally, right. yes. Yeah. But Andy would literally beat the shit out. That's why I would say it to underline like this is something that, that would not normally that, happen. And that actually happened. But that actually happened. Yeah. But now people are like, no, no, today, man, I literally ate lunch at like 1 p.m. It's like, that's, <laughs> well, why? That's not that crazy of a thing. You're okay, so you're taking a, I thought you were going to take the angle of like, I don't like it when they use it to mean I didn't, but I'm exaggerating because that was the thing like David Cross. Oh, yeah, that out, bit was great. And then people started to like get as mad as he would and I would be like no I get why someone would say literally for something that didn't happen because it's heightening even more for exaggeration but, like nah. I get that for comedic effect I was never like you didn't actually do it so don't say literally I was like I get what you're saying like you're I, making I it think, even no, more I think nowadays people use it, it like it is, when they it is truly exa- it is actually happening, are trying to say actually but it's not that impressive right right or out of the ordinary or they yeah. can just not say it at all they can just be like I, I drove 10 miles today or, I, I hey, I drove an hour to get here instead of I literally drove an hour to get here. Just fucking say <laughs> it's not. You're not doing. You're not achieving these huge feats. <laughs> I literally stayed inside. Oh. You're also wasting four syllables. I mean, yeah. that's that's a lot of time. A lot of talk time. But you yeah, literally I, just I, choked on your anger there. Yes. Yeah, I literally met Jesse Case eight years ago, <laughs> and he was wearing that, a trucker hat. Yeah, he was wearing a trucker. Hey, literally was wearing a trucker hat just in case. Um, and we figuratively hit it off. No, we actually did hit it off. We we met, we talked outside smoking cigarettes because he was, I bummed a cigarette from him, I believe. And we were just shooting the shit, talking about comedy. And at the time, I think he was, yeah, he lived in Nashville, Tennessee still. Yeah. And was just this road dog, right? And I think he, at that point, he'd even been doing comedy longer than me. And Yeah, he started very young. Yeah, and we were just talking about stand-up, and he was just telling me about life on the road. So I immediately assumed that this was like this guy had some years under his belt and was maybe my age or older. Well, he's also the kind of person yeah. who's probably looked around 35 from his yeah. mid-teens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's always looked. He's just, just got a worry on his... Like when he takes off that trucker hat, it's just bald. It's just <laughs> bald. Like Stephen Wright hair, basically. <laughs> but yeah, we hung out. Like I remember, we, I remember also we hung out, did the mic, and it was fine. He actually killed it. I remember seriously he killed it i of course bombed and then afterwards he bought me dinner like we went which to also like, was like an older yeah which was also move. like, like and yeah. then he was like yeah i'm in town for a couple of days and we didn't i remember i remember this uh, distinctly he didn't give me his number he didn't ask for my number we just arranged a meeting place the next day okay which i thought was i remember looking back on that like we like, used to in the 90s yes yeah. yes exactly like the 90s. <laughs> or, meetup. or in like the 1890s yeah or in like the wild west like meet me tomorrow you gotta just be dependable yeah. yeah or son you're just east of high noon but we met, hung out, went and did an open mic, and then there was a place in New York at the time called Rafifi, which was like... I remember that. Yeah, the alt-comedy mecca. It and had numerous rooms, and all of them seemed to have alt, alt shows going yeah, on Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, no, it had the one, it had the one room. You're thinking of... Uh, ah, what was the name oh, of the place? Oh, hang on, you were right. Uh, it was Rafifi where... Pianos? Um, invite... Um, invite them uh, up, up yeah. Went. yeah. Yeah, I remember that one as well. No, I know what you're thinking of, though. Uh, Mo Pickens. That's that it. was the one that had Mo... Yeah, but... Um, 
They were yeah. both around the kind of mid, like 2007, yeah. Yeah. I think, was when I did both of them. Yeah, exactly. I would be then. Because I was yeah. like, I, I had, and that was the other thing. I had just moved to New York. So I was like, let's go to Rafifi and see this show, invite them up. And he was like, I'm game. And when we get to the door and both get ID'd, Oh, turns out Jesse Case only twenty. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you're only twenty. You were buying me dinner last night." Exactly. Son. And he was like, "I'm sorry, man." And then he here's the best part. He's like, "I'm sorry, man. Bye." And then he just <laughs> like it wasn't like, "Well, let's discuss. Maybe we'll just go hang out somewhere else instead." He was just like so ashamed <laughs> as being outed as a twenty year old that he just skedaddled. And oh. then I saw him like. A week later, because he was in New York for a stretch, and he was he pulled me aside, and I thought we were just going to laugh about it. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like, "Ah, you're only 20," and he was just like, "I'm so ashamed, man. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I'm so sorry. I lied to you." I'm like, "You didn't lie to me. I never once asked your age. Right? Like, you didn't lie. He you lied for didn't admission. Come forward and go. I'm 20. I was less than upfront with. I'm him. so sorry. I'm a liar. No, Jesse, you're a man. If you stress like this, you're going to pull a gasket." <laughs> And uh, and then I didn't and then see he him. Did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I didn't see him again till Bridgetown, two thousand nine, which was the first time we met. I believe the first time we met. Yeah, that was a blast. I and just posted a picture of us hugging drunkenly. That was, yeah, that was a good week. one. That was a good <laughs> was one. A fun time. I missed that jacket. But then I remember I also missed that weight. <laughs> you ever look at you ever look at pictures of yourself? Like I'm I'm not one of these people. Like I don't care. Aging's aging. Whatever. I enjoy it. I'm having. No, fun you don't. Come on. Like, no, I don't. I don't really care. Like I don't. I feel the same. I just need sleep. And I can't eat that much cheese anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, the fucking, when you look at pictures like that and you're like, no matter how healthy I get, I will never have that neck <laughs> again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. my neck will always be this thick no matter what. It's like Bill Burr says, like, you can't try to get back to your high school weight because even if you do in the body, you're still going to have this, like, there's a thickening of the skull that happens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to have this giant fat head on top of this. Yeah, the thickening of the skull. Yeah. Which but, is totally true, yeah. But yeah, Jesse, I do remember when I met him, when I saw him again two years later, it was like, same guy, still has the trucker hat. Still, <laughs> got, I think his headshot is still, is it the trucker hat with the uh, skull and crossbones tape on it, or with the, I, the I, other one? I think it was like a funny one. I think it was if like, oh, see, it's a talking turd. Google image search Jesse Case, I think you will see him <laughs> with uh, just a multitude of trucker hats. Skull and crossbones tape. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the one. By the way, this this podcast is not going to become uh, Jesse Memories. This is like super more yeah, right. talking about. He's just in Nashville. Like he's going to. He be... is, and also he's now going to have his own podcast. That right. He, that will be. So he's in Jesse's... Nashville right now. Okay. He's yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. Because yeah, his mum is um, his mum's a doctor at Vanderbilt. So, ah. Okay. Yeah. Which. Yeah. According to my little research, is one of the best places in America to be treated for cancer. Yep. And also, he's going to get the best treatment. You know, it's also fucking hilarious about Vanderbilt. Go on. It's in the SEC, mm-hmm. and I, I have a... Uh, this, what's the SEC? The so- Southeastern Conference. Okay. Athletic for Conference. The N- for the NCAA. Okay. I was about to say for the NAACP, and sometimes I get those confused. It's only because the two A's, and that's the only reason. Everyone settle down. Also... Are there any NCAA commissioners who are in trouble right now for being transracial? That's not a term. Right. No, I, apparently, that is a term. Well, but it's been it com- no, no, no. It was always a term, but now it's just being used in the wrong context. Oh. So the term transracial is actually like is legitimately used for families where, for example, uh, an Asian kid is adopted by white parents. Oh yeah, oh, okay. And, uh, and is they and is raised and is raised within cultures. a white culture. Yeah, right, and right. so. Sort of well, isn't there also the thing so that's where what transracial re- there's means. also the difference between like ethnicity and race, where it's like or 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 like 
But it's also, it shouldn't be, no one should give a shit. Everyone should just let it go. And I mean, the, the, the only thing that woman should be really accosted for is lying. Well, she also took a and scholarship I'm, away from... Yeah. Uh, well, did she? Yeah, oh yeah. She, she, got a, she got a full ride to a black university. Well, lying. Yeah. yeah. I thought she started doing this later in life. I got that when she was college she, age. She was still... She started doing it around college age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or maybe, this, she got, maybe she did the degree later in life. This also, know. by the way, just go. this also goes back to like just the tenderness of the fucking being politically correct is I'm sure many people along the way wanted to go are you um, sure you're black yeah can yeah. you prove it I know I know I'm sorry I'm that is one guy. of those like like you know? never guess it pregnant yeah. never guess <laughs> faking the race yeah and like what is the, yeah there's no non-racist way to even ask those kinds of questions like it's like such a weird thing if someone ever says like where are your parents from? Like, what? What do you mean where my parents from? Fuck you. I mean, I guess it's one of those things, too, where it's like, she lied. Okay, that sucks. She took a scholarship away. That's fucked up. I didn't know that. That all, But that all goes yeah. with her lying. But her identifying as a black person, I have no issue with whatsoever. I just thought everyone was talking about it because it you was know? just funny. I just thought it's like a yeah, funny it's... image once you see yeah, it next I mean, to the if you, if you get that, I, I it's like, But if, you, if you're a member of a definitely maligned and... Uh, and prejudiced against group sure. of people, and then you see someone who is basically s- s- taking all of the kudos of that culture without without facing any of the right, right. Like right. she grew up with none of the bullshit that black people grew up with, but at the same time is sort of grabbing onto yeah. But however, uh, Caitlyn Jenner grew up not having to be a you know what I'm saying grew up not having this to is, deal this is with tricky guys do I you want to go tricky. down this do you want to go down it's this tricky, path I don't know where it goes Caitlyn Jenner know. did not grow up having to deal with you know yeah. anything that a woman normally deals with she in fact grew up the alpha male right yeah that other men feared so it's one of those well, things that's, where, and I mean, that's she, the argument that there's a group yeah. well there's a group of radical feminists like there's su- like a subset of radical feminists who are anti-trans oh really in general. yeah and huh. it's a um, and a lot of their arguments come down to that. They're like, well, they never suffered like that. And the, but the obvious answer is, yeah, but they suffered in a very different way because trans people are right. hugely more likely to suffer from various mental conditions and, su- and more susceptible to suicide and depression. And yeah, just unhappy. And just generally, yeah, yeah. the one of the most collectively shat upon groups of society. So right. they, yeah, they they grow up without one set right. of bullshit but with a whole heap of other bullshit exactly but at the same time uh, acknowledging that we still i still personally i can only speak for myself except hey caitlin jenner now a woman yeah regardless of what you went through oh totally so it's like for this woman i mean i get it one thing if you're a black person being like god damn it a white person being right. a black person is now here's, here's the other thing a, i would say to that though yeah caitlin jenner was identified as male, but has always been like has always been a woman, or sure, has always sure, been female. Sure, sure. Just misidentified right. because of outward appearance, genitals, and whatever. But Caitlyn Jenner is a woman, and has only been able to express that recently. This person was never black. Like, uh, but then again, I would do devil's advocate for that just yeah. to ask: How can you prove that outside yeah. of what's it's in all, someone's head? It's, it's all, all based on their, their own reporting of their, what's going on. Their, in their emotional and mental response. Yeah, there's no external way of you can't. There's no like you can't pee on a strip and like. Well, actually, this person's a woman, like uh, uh, mentally or something. You know, nor can you say inside this person's black. I'm not. I'm not actually. It's I'm not a, actually, you're, I'm you're not right. actually defending this. Well, no, I'm just, not, I'm just saying this yeah. is all based. All these things are based it's on self-reporting. Super, it's it's so like it's, one, it's you know what this is like. This is like one. It's like one of those. 
uh, conversations where it's like a couple of kids discover like a brand new oasis, and it's like, fuck, how do we? What divide? do you mean? Like, like it's because it's like we're all trying. Like, I think this conversation, the thing that people keep losing sight of, is like everyone's trying to figure out a way to make it all. Yeah. Everyone wants to be on board with all of this. Yeah, it's just figuring out how. Like how and it, and there's too many like hard lines that people want to take. Like yeah. if it's this, then this can't be this way. And it's like, well, why can't we just misenplace a a thought process yeah. that everything everyone gets accepted for who they are? And it's like, yeah, but some people had to suffer longer for who they are than others. And it's like, well, fuck. But should that be account or that? It's you know, there's a, there's it's a really so frustrating. I, I feel like all I do these days is quote other podcasts. But my favorite podcast or my top three, whatever. Uh, Roderick on the line. My favorite episode of that is um, I was just looking it up. I think it's episode 96 called The Beauty of an Idea. And John Roderick, uh, the musician, now politician, uh, philosopher, whatever. Um, do you know the Long Winters, that band from Seattle? I know who they are, but I'm not too he's familiar. Sorry. He's lead singer of that. Anyhow, so he's a really smart Sorry, guy. Long and I love his takes on most things. And he was talking about how, like, in the past, um, American, like, the American uh, uh, story was always one of, of, like, faking a better backstory than you had. You know, like, everyone wanted to be like, oh, yeah, our parents came over in the Mayflower. Like, oh, I come yeah, from yeah. good stock. And sometime in the last couple generations, that whole script flipped completely over. Completely flipped. Yeah. And everyone's trying to out dirtbag each other. But, ah. oh, yeah, my parents were such trash. It's like, no, no, you showed up for picture day. Like, your dad worked for Boeing. Yeah. Like, you don't come from, you know. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, like, you're not allowed, you, you aren't entitled to an opinion unless you can show your underdog bona fides. You know, like, everyone's yeah. trying to out uh, victim eat, each I other. I had to eat so, my siblings. Right. So, I, I'm you're allowed so to have poor. an opinion because I, I belong have to, to a maligned. my siblings. <laughs> I just, yeah, right. you wanted to. Yeah, I did it through choice. I opted into that. Ambition. That's what got you here, Kirshen. Sean, we yeah. always ask our guests this before we get into the stories, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no right or wrong answer, but what, if anything, is your background in science? And it doesn't have to be, we've had everything from just a school, a class at school that you liked right through to I did a degree in it and have a PhD. Oh, uh, my background in science is that of, I believe, the early scientists. Uh-huh. Just a quest for knowledge, <laughs> but a lack of actual understanding of really anything. <laughs> <laughs> The but ones, I did they, have they a, meant well. The yeah, ones yeah. who were like, yeah, I did. I did have a uh, TV show on the Science Channel that got picked up and then immediately canceled. Though I, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, because it was a terrible idea. It wasn't mine. The, I got cast to host a show called Underground Science, where I would go to these small, not small towns, just towns across America, where people were like doing underground science, science in their backyard, science off the radar, and I was the, supposed to be the comedic host who would interact with these people. Would have been a good show, however, and they wanted a guy like me who didn't know dick about science, but wanted to know, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, the problem was they just, like every reality TV show, uh, they want it to be funny, yet informational, yet also groundbreaking, yet also they want complete control, yet they also want you to have complete control. It's like they, that Simpsons, they, don't, they don't know what the fuck they the want. The focus group for the itchy and scratchy thing where like, yeah. so do you want something that's grounded in the real, real life or like exactly. crazy fantastical adventures? Like, yes. Like, which one? All those things. They're like, all of these things could make us money. So let's want all of them at the same <laughs> yeah. time. But I did get to blow up a car with a cannon mounted on a wheel- wheelchair. Uh, in Phoenix, <laughs> you can't make a science show anymore without blowing shit. Exactly, like, that's what science is. I got is. to uh, drive a motorized chariot, which that is the one thing that I'm surprised there aren't more of in the world. What does well, that look like? It looks like it's like a chariot, except instead of a horse, there's an engine. And okay, you, and you stand on it. it's a one person thing. Oh, so it's like a what? Okay, so it's like it's like a, ch- a, it's like a Segway with a it's motor. Like a worse Segway. So it yeah. looks 
it looks like because there are different shapes of chariot. It looks like one of the ones from Ben Hur. Okay, yeah, like the the single like battle chariots. Yeah, that was actually amazing, and I was like, this it handled well. It was like <laughs> these this... look very unnecessary. These look like a lot. I'm Google image searching them. Yeah, yeah it's just exactly like you have you have an ATV in front of you. Yeah, but I'm just surprised the there aren't ATV. more, considering yeah. some of the things we've seen. Um, and then I got to fly in a gyrocopter, which is a helicopter without a motorized blade. So it's it's the engine. There's an engine behind it, but there's propeller blades that lift. But that way, when the engine, if the engine dies, it won't crash. It doesn't crash. It just, oh yeah, that's right. The difference you know, between a helicopter and a gyrocopter isn't. Yeah, the, motorized for, blades. the forward motion yes. makes the makes the blades turn, mm-hmm. which in turn provides the lift. Exactly. The only reason the helicopter is more popular is because it can hover and carry more weight. These things are basically like dune buggies, like two or three people that fly. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it was awesome. But the show, after we shot the first episode, while we were going to shoot the second one, the network canceled the show because they didn't like what they were seeing. Because, like I said, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, they, clearly, I had total control, but they wanted total control, which they also had. Yeah. And also, it was uh, groundbreaking, yet not groundbreaking enough. How long ago was this? Two thousand eleven. Yeah. So there you go. I want to see this sometime. Do you still have it somewhere? No, nah, it was garbage. Uh, I burnt it. I blew it up with my own personal fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so I, 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 um, I think I am a very... I was a terrible student. I went to school in Louisiana, which, was a, which is one of the worst places to go to school. <laughs> to learn science. To learn sure. anything. And uh, I, I, I often wish I could... Uh, like, if I could go back and talk to myself at, say, 16 years old for one minute... Mm-hmm. They would it would be entire it would be forty five seconds of school 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 trust me trust me trust me and then fifteen seconds of be confident no matter what <laughs> oh my god confidence was... no matter what even if you fuck up confidence bam bye you know someone just did an interview with a bunch of comics asking what they would tell themselves at eighteen and yeah I read that. I can't think yeah. of much besides that confidence yeah, like, yeah just fucking own your shit start doing it now start like. Mm-hmm. Start not caring what people think of you. If, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. if you can just tell someone to do that, I don't know how you do that, but it's impossible. Yeah, I mean the British system—they're not. You're taught to not care. British people are taught to not care at all. What oh, others think? No, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the British, British are very—they're very rude to one another, and they just don't care. Oh, but it's uh, deep <laughs> shame built in. <laughs> they just have no. Oh shit. British, like every time, I, and I, I mean, and, and I have to the a, UK quite a bit. I have a love, I have a love, love relationship with the uh, <laughs> United Kingdom. I've well, my girlfriend's currently there at Oxford, but um, damn, Ooh, look yeah. at my girlfriend. I know, right? There you go. I don't got no knowledge and no science, but my lady friend go to the <laughs> Oxford University. <laughs> um, she she moves back next month, but uh, the but I've been to the U. I I, I adore. I I love everything about it. I love everything about. But I, but even even I even love when I get the looks because I'm just a loud American. That's something that happens to me every single time I'm there. You don't tone it down at all. You're not. No, a little I like, do. Ooh. When I realize, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. People don't talk at my volume. Yeah. Let me be more. Uh, you know, me. I'm sorry. And okay, this is how you talk. But I'm just at a table, just yapping. Just man, man I got fucked up last night. <laughs> you know, British people. You know, you think you can't get fucked up at a pub because it closed at one. Bullshit, man! I was oh shit. Sorry. Um. Anyway, so guys, uh, like, yeah, I'm so I'm so hyper vigilant about. I'm embarrassed on behalf of other Americans. I see when yeah. I'm abroad. Like I saw this. Guy, I am the one you come embarrassed. Well, yeah, of, and I apologize. Dude, but. coaxing his family across the street when I was in London. He's like, "Come on, kids! I think there's a McDonald's over here." And I'm like, "No." Oh god, please. I don't. I'm not that asshole. But but that's the thing. Doing comedy in the UK, you stand out a little bit. 
because you're the loud American and you get on stage and they give you that. You can, I feel that moment of like, right. oh, yeah. Is he going to be a dummy? Once they realize you're good, they're like, okay, I'm on board now. Take me. <laughs> yeah. Take me. Take me, you American. There are two schools of thought, I think, from my American friends who've toured in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is either they tend to exclusively. Um, open their sets by either apologizing for being American or doing the exact opposite and ballsing it out. You know what I do is never bring it up. Right. I never acknowledge it. I'm just like, I will off my, off my, the opening thing I've said oftentimes in the UK is that I'm from Shaftesbury. I'm like, I grew up in Shaftesbury. I don't know what it means. I just know (laughs) I heard it referenced on a Bill Hicks album. Like one of his first albums, yeah. And he talks about Shaftesbury, and I was like, "What is Shaft?" And I saw it on the map. I know it's a neighborhood, maybe. It was not even. Yeah, it's a road, but is that what? Yeah, it was sort of a slight area of. Is it near Cockfosters? No. Okay. Cockfosters. Yeah. So yeah, but I've seen a lot of. I've seen American comics just like their first two minutes are just like, "Well, in America," and it's like, it's like it's like when UK comics come here, and it's like we get it, we're fat and stupid. We, but it's even continue. worse if it's like a self-hating American who's going to like win over the audience by just like well, during yeah, Bush there was a lot of like oh yeah there was a Sorry. lot of people going like I didn't vote for him mm-hmm. uh, but I, yeah I, I sort of agree like it, in some cases particularly in like more tricky club nights it might be necessary to open with something like that just yeah. to sort of sure sure just to spare yourself just to avoid having to dig yourself out of a hole for the first minute or two mm-hmm. but it does reinforce lazy anti-american like it's like can it be uncle tomming when when america is the like on top of the food chain i don't know whether it would even count that but it is sort of like it comes from a position of you're you're doing yankee face yeah exactly yeah yeah I, i almost feel like america is like the fucking the monarchy where it's like they're there but no one really cares no one really gives a shit. Like, everyone knows it's a fucked up system, yeah, but yeah, it's also like, like nah, it's we'll live there for, yeah. for everyone to look at, but... Mm. Well, well, yes, yeah, so my background in science is... Uh, I'm down to... Ch- I can I'm jump down. right into that. I'm down. <laughs> That's my background in science. I'm down. Well, speaking I mean, of cool-sounding places over in the UK, uh, a listener from Inverclyde, west oh, yeah. of Scotland... Sure, wrote sure. in by the name of David, and he has a story for us that uh, that appeals to at least two of the three hosts. He's listen- he's been listening to every episode, and it's the first time he submitted. But with my love of surfing and Jesse's keen interest in arseholes, spe- specifically his own, he thought this study from Exeter University would be of interest. And he sent us in a story about um, surfers who are wanted for a superbug study. Um, scientists are launching an investigation into antibiotic-resistant bacteria known as superbugs by gathering data from surfers' rectums. Recti? Rectums? Um, Beach Bums, as it's being called, is the first UK project of its kind, teaming researchers with the action group Surfers Against Sewage. And surfers are being asked to volunteer to provide rectal swabs to help scientists find the effects of marine pollution on human health. And tests have shown water may contain antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So lead researcher Anne Leonard is from the European Center for Environment and Human Health at Exeter University. And she said, we know that surfers regularly swallow lots more seawater than other beach users, around 170 milliliters per session, which is more than 10 times that of sea swimmers. Do you tend to swallow a lot of seawater? Yeah, kind of a gross amount. And like there are different schools of thought about what to do about that. Like uh, Kurt Braunohler brings hydrogen peroxide with him when he surfs and he gargles with it and puts it in his ears afterwards. I'm not sure that does anything or not. I think it's... 
I, I think it'd probably be too late by the time it's yeah. past the... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they say you're not supposed to surf after it rains in LA because of how disgusting it is here and like the rain washes everything out into the ocean. And God you can damn get... it, that's the only time I surf. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no wonder I'm the only guy out yeah. there just crushing waves. So they said... Uh, I surf to... just directly in the rain. like just It's <laughs> like, a, like a shitty puddle right, right. Yeah. on Santa Monica. And it's not, I don't think it's really surfing. I just lie down a bit. It's more skimboarding. Is yeah. What yeah. Doing. yeah. <laughs> you could definitely do that in the rivers here on like an inch of water. Um, so they've shown that this water may contain that antibi- antibiotic-resistant bacteria, but they have no idea how it might affect the microbes that live in our guts or how it could impact health in general um so yeah there are a number of um increasing number of bacteria that have evolved to become immune to even the most powerful antibiotics and those are making common infections much harder to treat and the threats considered so serious that obama recently launched a five-year action plan to reduce the use of antibiotics in treating humans and animals so uh the swabs they're using in this beach problems project will give researchers an insight into the microbes that colonize surfers guts and by comparing those samples with those from people who don't spend time in the sea, they can see uh, how those superbugs in the environment can affect people. Now, my my only worry about that is, is it a controlled? Is that a good? Is there a good control group? Because surfers are all just filthy beasts. That's true. <laughs> like even outside of the ocean, like <laughs> what else have you been licking? They're all for the most part they're bank robbers. Like it's a very specific exactly. subset exactly. of. Of populace. I mean, how much you know? How, how much campfire smoke are they breathing in? Right. Always There's too much fi- lighting fires on the beach and at parties. Yeah, sharing yeah. didgeridoos. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sharing okay. by didgeridoos, you mean uh, the women, sir, female surfers, right? That's what they call them. Yeah. Yep. Lori yeah. Petty. Did, and, uh, have you guys seen the trailer for the new Point Break? Shut the fuck up, really. You don't know about this? Oh God, I heard Matt, that have you seen it? That I've seen the trailer. Yeah, it's so great. It's it so is. great. I mean, it's so ridiculously dumb. Like, are they, are they redoing Point yeah. Break? Yeah, and it's becoming even more extreme. Like, it's wingsuit suiters, wingsuiters, whatever you call people who do that. It's, it's like extreme BMXers who are like BMXing in front of an avalanche. Uh, <laughs> it starts with skydiving and is just it, escalates is it, is it from there. Is it at least Keanu Reeves? No, nobody, nobody who was involved. Yeah, no, they have got reanimated Patrick yeah. Swayze, but no Keanu Reeves. It's like the um, it's the Tupac hologram style thing. Uh, no, it's totally ridiculous, and I don't even know any of the people involved. Maybe they're actually it's weird. They didn't, athletes. I don't they know. didn't have the rights to the original uh, Point Break, so the reanimated um, they're actually using they're actually using ghost footage. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> so they're just cutting in, just just merging them into one film. Actually, nice. we're redoing Ghost, Point Break, and um, Roadhouse at the same time, <laughs> and Dirty Dancing. We're going to call the it Big Four. <laughs> the Big Four. The Big Four. Uh, Point Ghost House Dancing. Yeah, there you go. Point yeah. Ghost House Dancing. We met um, one of the guys behind the Point Break live show last week. Matt and I. Have yeah. you seen that yet? I've heard about it, and I think it's goddamn genius. It's I haven't. I got to go see it. They it pick out fun. a new. I went to it a while ago. They yeah. pick out a new Johnny Utah for right, every right. episode out of the audience. Yeah, I fucking love that. Even though, even though, like, here's the thing, like. Keanu Reeves, interesting, because he's taken his share of shit from the critics, but he's also like, I mean, have you seen John Wick? I just saw it last week. You know what I mean? It's one of those things <laughs> it's, where it's like, I fucking love Keanu yeah, Reeves. Yeah. I love Keanu Who Reeves. Who else would have worked in that part? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, you shit on him, but God damn it, he might be a fucking genius he's like, for that just underplayed, like, quiet guy. I want to go rewatch the original Parenthood now. I want to go rewatch Bill and Ted. Like, who else could have played those parts? I know, it, dude. He's perfect. Guy still smokes cigarettes though at forty something years old. Oh, don't What's do he doing? It. Don't do but no, um, surfer. I this might be, and I might just be old, dumb, old and dumb. But I really do. I really do subscribe to the just 
just fucking subject like micro mic uh, bacteria infecting it's like just just live your Suck life man something's going to yeah. fucking get you well they're not telling you not to surf they're just oh. curious how if the surfers have different amounts different yeah. levels and than other people are. Buttholes? i guess so. yeah and they're using the basi- basically they're using surfers as a way of testing how much of I this is getting into the water the guinea pigs yeah and, and i guess just, how much gets all the way through your gi tract yeah cuz um cuz it is a it is a real problem the um antibiotic resistant bacteria like that's a real sure and that's um i think that's one of the i think that's that and it i could be wrong about that i think it's second only to global warming in terms of huge things that humanity is fucking up right now that needs to be dealt with very urgently otherwise we're all fucked Um, the over overuse of antibiotics in general yeah it's crazy and like it's the you know and it's the farming industry a lot of it it's not just the over prescription to humans they they pump animals full of antibiotics when they're healthy right because it increases because it reduces the chance of them getting ill and that increases yield increases meat supply and milk supply um and what they're doing is all of these farm animals are just becoming a giant incubator for antibiotic resistant bacteria which yeah. then can jump across to the humans again, and we're all fucked. Because yeah. now we've got bacteria that we can't treat. And, and, and it really, I mean, it all, it all goes, and it's all, and it's, I think the answer for that is just people should stop fucking having children for 20 years. <laughs> 20 or more, Torium? Like, 20 is a good number. Just let let us figure some shit out. And okay, eating wait, meat wait. as well. Uh, yeah. 10, 15, 20 years from now, uh, are we going to subsidize all the teachers who don't have jobs for that little span of time? Well, you know, it's, it, that's the thing. Guess what? Uh, somebody, I think, I think the thing about the human race that uh, it, it's really bad, but it's the truth, is that to correct, to right the ship, it's it, some people are going to have to fucking take it hard. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a lot more Uber drivers for a while. You know, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of fucking. I mean, it's just, it's just, I get it. Like, in that hypothetical situation, if it was like, all right, we can't have, we need to thin out the population or at mm-hmm. least not let it grow until we figure some shit out. We need two decades. And then people are going, what about the teachers? It's not fair for them. It's like, sorry. 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 Like, that sucks. They're like the buggy whip salesman of the automobile or, era. Or, or, or they get some sort of disability type check <laughs> until we figure until out. kids come back. It's, it, or, or, well, you'd save on all the money you spend on... On teachers, so on, like on the kids, bucks a week. Yeah. <laughs> so in those in those twenty years, also do like boy bands go away and like the clarinet comes back on the charts? <laughs> like what what happens I to would, music during exactly, that? Exactly, exactly. What happens to movies? You know, normcore makes a big yep, resurgence. Yeah. And then, but then you've got okay, but then you've got more uh, time. Then you, but then, here you go. There it is, right there. Then you've got more people sitting at home, so a need for more TV shows. But now, since you don't have that many ten year olds walking around, uh-huh. now you got. More need for real actors like Matt, who Matt could, could play. feasibly with makeup <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. play a ten year old. And now Matt is he's, he's, a, he's a young face in, in a Nick yeah. in a Nick Junior show at what are you, thirty? Thirty five. At thirty at thirty six even playing a ten year old. And you know what? Why have you not written this script ability. yet? Why have you not written this script exactly. yet? Exactly. well they sort of almost wrote that script. It was called uh, one of my favorite movies too. Um what the fuck was that called? With Clive Owen? Oh, oh yeah, The Last Baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't called The Last Baby. Yeah, Children of Men. Children of Men. Yeah. 
But it's like it's like that's that's the thing that <laughs> the last baby. <laughs> I, I mean, like I get we're all looking out for one another, but whenever you bring up like basic like seriously like when like my sister just had a kid and my niece is fucking gorgeous and I love her to pieces and I am pleading with my sister on a weekly basis to just to kill her, no, <laughs> just to sacrifice <laughs> and, her to and, the fire lord, no, to to make that the only one. And I'm and I'm and I'm like, look, I know in the comedy world, I know lots of only children, and they're not that they're not that fucked up. But they all know? went into comedy. But they're all so, in comedy. Exactly. Uh, let's back up a second. But it's Are like we... I just don't understand what makes people think it's okay. Like why why would you want to bring a person into this right now? I, well, like I, it's really fucking psycho right now. I hate time. To, I hate to also please take be the devil's, devil's advocate. advocate on this. I would um, just like the explanation. A listener sent in a story, uh, like a TED talk from mm-hmm. a, a um, I, I guess he's like a statistician. I'm not sure what his title was. I'll link to it on probablyscience.com. Okay. Um, you can write that down. So I remember it. Yeah. Um, an expert giving a TED talk about how overpopulation might not be as big of a problem as we think it is, and he was going through all this data that's sort of not intuitive. Like he asked people in the audience, "What is your guess about what the average number of children?" per couple that's being born in he was giving as an example i think um somewhere southeast asian maybe like bangladesh and you know people were guessing he's like do you think it's like two i think it's three four five and it turns out like it's two like there are a lot of places that formerly had population explosion that are doing a great job of not even mandating it by law but having just pr campaigns to encourage people to have fewer children and it's kind of working and he he walked through what the next like 50 years are going to look like as far as where where population is going to be stabilizing and growing and we're at about seven billion and i think within 50 years we'll be at 10 but it will have slowed a lot it's a great video, and it, it shows that maybe this isn't as big of a problem as we thought, because we can kind of handle $10 billion. He thinks it'll stabilize around there, and it won't really grow beyond that. I mean, that, like, believe you me, hearing that makes me go, whew, a little bit. It's, just watch the video. I'm not saying it's, you know? it's who knows, maybe there's right. a reputation of it some listener can send in. But I also feel like in, that but... guy might be in the fucking GOP's pocket. He might. He's like, get out there and fool the people into thinking this is okay. Yeah. Have you watched it, Matt? I haven't. The one I'm talking about, it's, and uh, I can't, it's I blame like 15 the G- minutes. I don't even know if it's there's worth... GOP to blame. I just blame them for right, everything. Of course, for everything. But, like, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's frightening to the point of like, like I mean, Maybe it is. Maybe it is the information that we have at hand nowadays. But Mm -hmm. I know, distinctively speaking, at my age, 36 years old, I now can say I remember what it was like 20 years ago. Anything beyond that, my memory just isn't there. I was too young. (laughs) But but like – It's like you remember – Super unknown, but not bad. Motor finger. Like, yeah, exactly. okay. Why can't I pull something better? Than I, I, that? God I, damn I it. remember Pearl Jam's ten. But okay, we start talking about you know MC Hammer. I remember that too. So maybe twenty five years. Well, I the trouble with this my... idea is you can't you can't conjure up a thing that you can't remember. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shit. There are known unknowns, as Rumsfeld taught us, and there are unknown. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, my my no point ones. is, it just it just feels like things have gotten. I'm not going to say worse. I'm just going to say more hectic. I'm going to say things have gotten a little more things like have like I can say I definitively have feel the difference in global. I feel global warming now. But even that, I'm not sure is one of those things that we can just tell from our immediate experience as much as from the experts. I don't know, man. I, I, I know, but I also think about like like spikes in heat and spikes in but cold. But those can be spikes that can. I'm not saying I'm not a denier. I know, I'm just you're saying just, like please. the reason I believe in it isn't so much because I've seen some hot summers as much as that I, the people who have been crunching the numbers and looking at mm. longer term data trends say that and looking at ice cores and right 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 yeah Cause cause I, think, be... I think you're right in that you, if you do just go on anecdote then you're falling into this 
a similar trap that the people from the other side are going like, well, it was snowing in New right. York. Where's How your global that... warming now, Al Gore? But, uh, but yeah. that's the thing, because the problem with global warming is the fucking phrase warming. It shouldn't, it needs to change. Just climate it needs change. to be updated. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, or used more because the warming also affects the cold. Like, those psycho cold winters you have in New York after 10 years of mild, barely yeah. existent. I, li- I lived in New York during a chunk where every winter was like, oh, this is it. This is it. It's 70 degrees in January. What the, when was that? I didn't know that they had a dude, mild. They had like the winter. Winter in 2011, like mm-hmm. the, end, the, the, the tail end of 2011, early 2012, it was barely winter. Oh. It was like you're walking around and it would be like in the 30s at night. And then all of a sudden during the day, you'd be sweating, wearing nothing but just like a simple overcoat. And then the next year, it was like, insane Jack Frost is on (laughs) fucking blow. Jack Frost has been doing blow, and he doesn't give a fuck. He don't give a fuck. And then Superstorm Sandy and shit like that. And then every person on that side is going to use the whole like, well, this is a period the earth goes through and it's like well isn't that just coincidinky yeah coinky yeah. dinky that it happens to be coinciding with all this goddamn scientific evidence and then also droughts across the country droughts and, uh, and ski yeah. resorts closing down i mean what the fuck well, at the are same we gonna- time that they were going like what it's snowing in new york how can there be global warming exactly. and, and, and that exact same time uh australia was having the hottest temperatures right, ever right. recorded like they're like how can this be at? how can there be global yeah, literally right now well, dude, on yeah, the other yeah. side of the world is yeah. the hottest weather ever and also i mean just in gen in january when i was in in your home country it was fucking warm yeah it was not and i don't know what the british weather is usually like but i imagine it's similar to the northeast of the u.s that sort of wet cold it's a little bit more yeah it it's actually more like the northwest Oh, it's just it's like, like the UK, snow, but more sloppy. Yeah, it's very similar to sort of Seattle or Portland weather. Ah, um, sloppy. Because it's an island. Sloppy I mean, bits. that's why... Because yeah. it's a small island, so <clears throat> there's there's nowhere that... There's no land that isn't pretty damn close to water, and that keeps the temp, that keeps it kind of temperate. Ah, true, true. Um, and also there's the Gulf flow that keeps it... God, I never thought about that. So you that. never really have snow. We have snow, but it happens... Here's what we actually have snow every winter at least once, if not twice, oh. and then the country shuts down because it's not prepared for it in any way. Even yeah, though it happens yeah. every year, yeah. Britain's like, "How is that?" It's like when it rains in LA. They're like, "How is this? How do we do this?" <laughs> They're like, "Well, the same way we you all did just it. stop doing everything, right?" Yeah. <laughs> um, so it does snow, but it never snows. Like it snows enough that you can go sledding or build a snowman, but it right. never snows so much that people are struggling to open their front doors because because right, the snow's right, literally yeah. like like it was in New York, where it's like. Where yeah. people were like, "Yeah, it's up. We're gonna have to go out the the second story today." Exactly. Well, I get get your tunneling shoes on. Yeah, <laughs> get your tu- who's who's good at tunneling? Anybody? Uh, well, no, they built a series of tunnels under the city. Oh, we could do it too. There was like a subway on top of subway, man, of human tunnels. Uh, Not really? really, I wasn't. It wasn't oh, that uh, bad. <laughs> but I, t- I tell you what, we what could start happening though, if we do panel children? Mm-hmm. Uh, pathogenesis. Yes. Or is it pathogenesis? How do you pronounce it? I don't pathogenesis, know. Um, I like that better. That sounds more marketable. Pathogenesis. Oh, is that it? That sounds more scary. Anyway. Because it's like a biblical genesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a form of asexual reproduction in which an embryo grows and develops without fertilization. And it has been observed for the first time in uh, wild vertebrates. Uh, the small-tooth sawfish. This is a story sent in by two different people. Justin Broad and Eric Butterfield both sent in these stories. Uh, the small-tooth sawfish which lives in southern Florida. Of course it happens in Florida. Mm-hmm. Everything weird happens down there. 
was first listed as an endangered species in 2003. Its numbers have been drastically reduced thanks to overfishing and habitat loss. Andrew Fields, a PhD candidate at Stony Brook School of Marine and Atmospheric Science, wanted to know exactly how many still existed. Um, they set out to do a population count, but instead they found crazy stuff. Um, as they're documenting current biology, Fields and his team examined sawfish DNA for signs of interbreeding, which can indicate a dwindling number of individuals in a species. In the process, they discovered that about 3% of the sawfish they studied were solely the offspring of their mothers and had no genetic contribution from a male. We're talking about Jesus fish here. Right? In normal sexual reproduction, the female egg ejects half its chromosomes through a series of cell divisions after it matures, making up the difference by combining with chromosomes from the male sperm. In parthenogenesis, that's how I'm going to pronounce the rest of this article. I think that's right. Another female cell known as the polar body provides the second half of chromosomes. Although the offspring will have two sets of chromosomes, they will be identical. Hmm. Perhaps even more surprising is that the father of the sawfish seem relatively normal. We don't have any physical proof they are any different, which is strange because the genetic f- uh, theory right now is that uh, pathogenetic offspring are not fit and they don't survive in the wild. So this is kind of a big step. So, what is the fish called again? It's the s- small-tooth sawfish. So, there you go, uh, Jesus freaks. Mary was a small-tooth swordfish. <laughs> yeah. And when Jesus did water and, and all that fish, he had some cannibal shit. How do you think he walked across oh, the... Hannibal. And how do you think he walked across the water? He's part fucking so, amphibian. Guys, <laughs> it's just that you need a closer reading of the scripture, as all as would take. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's it lost in translation. Somebody out there who makes bumper stickers, if you're not on this Jesus fish changing yes. the image into a, so, a small add, swordfish... Just add the like, <laughs> saw blade on the front of the Jesus fish. It's if all you're you not do. on top of this right now, yeah. we're on it. Million dollars, raising money for Jesse, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's the, instead of those Darwin ones with the legs, just yeah. like put the saw blade put in the, the front of... Oh, the, no, someone should make just those, and then you can add it to, to some Christian person's car. We might be able to... Re- like, you do that. You put the Jesus swordfish, some Christian's like, why, why, does Jesus, why is he a swordfish? And you just put the link to this article, yeah, yeah. and then they read that, and then they start believing more in science than evolution, than the Bible's out of schools. We win. And Louisiana's... And Louisiana finally, digs itself, out of- finally <laughs> digs itself out of a goddamn pit of despair, like in the never-ending story. Oh, no, that was in the, uh, the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. The, Princess- the pit of sadness. Um, Atreyu! No, what was it, motherfucker? Artex! Artex was the horse. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Artex! That's just the- Artex! That is Louisiana's that's, education That might be the system. saddest thing in film. That movie is oh my god! That really... the first one's amazing. The second one's like really bad. There's a Princess Bride too. No, the no. <laughs> Which uh, yeah, we we are not on the same page. I never thought you ending were saying story. Never Ending Story brought you to tears. Is that not what you? Oh were saying? no no. I, I saw, hang on. Yeah the uh, yeah. Artex. Sorry yeah. Never Ending Story. Yeah the, the, princess, the drown. There's a Princess Bride too. <laughs> I've switched it in my head. That, yeah no, I, the dead w- the dead horse is the same. I would thing. love yeah. to see the Dread Pirate the Roberts story. Like I mean. And yeah. not the guy who's going to jail for life for the uh, Silk Road, right? No, not that guy. No. In a bargain bin in a supermarket, I once found a DVD of Annie 2, A Royal Adventure. Oh, I've seen... Oh, is that Annie Cannon? Is that considered... <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's magnificently bad. <laughs> Dude. It, it has a very eclectic cast, including, um, including Joan Collins and Tracy Lords. And who was the Annie? Let's see. Is this anybody we've seen before? No one who's have, done anything since, I don't think. The worst sequels, I think, that I've ever seen are Crocodile Dundee 3. Right. Does that even have Paul Hogan? Yeah, Paul okay. Hogan. And it has that actress as well. But there's a scene where there's a, he's at a party, 
and um, a guy I think introduces himself as Mike. Uh, oh, oh, Mal. He's like, hi, I, uh, I'm Mal Gibson. And he's like, oh, Ma- Mel, Mel Gibson. And he, but you know, uh. he's like, oh, you mean Mel Gibson? And everyone's like, wait, you know Mel Gibson? He's like, oh, yeah, I know Mel Gibson. <laughs> and then the wife has to pull him aside and be like, you're talking about your friend Mal Gibson, right? He's like, yeah, Mel. Like that's a that's a that's a that's scene a joke in the movie. That's, <laughs> that's a, a quote yeah. unquote joke. Um, but also, it was really bad. But I liked. I thought Crocodile Hunter or Crocodile Dundee Two was the best. Anyway, but uh, which one's the one with the bidet scene? I think that's the first that's one. The, that's the first one. Because the right. second one they go back to Australia, right? Because the whole premise of the first one is he's in the the American jungle of New York. Oh, and then she's the fish out of water in the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking and, of fish out of water, though. Oh yeah. Go oh. Here's the problem with uh, um. Uh, Parthenogenesis. It while it could be a last ditch attempt to keep the population a- alive, all of the offspring are female from this process, oh. which could exacerbate the problem of male scarcity. If the sex ratio flips enough, it could help with the extinction. So it's like the XXXY thing with humans. Is that the same in other mammals? I believe so. That females are XX, and yeah, sometimes no, it's the Y chromosome uh, that turns you male, right? Right, right. Yeah. Which is why all men have nipples. Apparently, because we're all females until that Y chromosome comes in. Like as we're as we're developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of parts of the body as well that are very yeah. like even the parts that are different are very and that, yeah, because yeah. they were very sim. They were almost identical in the early stages of which, scientifically speaking, goes back to why uh, you should leave transgender people alone because we're all female until the male gene comes in. Right. Maybe by the time the Y chromosome comes in, the brain's already developed as female. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, there's good evidence that. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Or just bigots. in general. Just fuck leave. off, yeah, bigots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to start. Can we start calling this podcast Fuck Off, Bigots? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I will say this. this is a, I, won't, I won't name the names, but it was, a, it was a moment. Myself and another comedian were at uh, a festival in Austin uh, this, this year, and we saw. Who we thought was our transgender friend, uh-huh. and we were like, "Oh look, it's that! Oh look, hey!" And we went over to say, "Hey!" And it wasn't; it was just a completely identical, like it was just another transgender person, like but who looked like our friend. And we both looked at it, the other comedian, looked at ourselves, for, at each other from here, and was like, "What kind of bigotry is this? <laughs> <laughs> Did we just break new ground <laughs> in the bigotry world? Are we? Be- should we be ashamed or not? I can't tell." You have pioneers of prejudice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fuck, did we do something wrong here? Or was that honest mistake? We're not sure. By the way, yeah. I, I don't know if we hadn't talked about this ahead of time, but yeah. I'm just going to go into this and see if this is okay to talk about. Uh, we were at brunch yesterday with one Mark Agee, friend of the show, past. Oh, past. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that. Okay, okay. Maybe you should tell the story. <laughs> Mark Agee is a wonderful human being, a very funny comedian from Dallas, Texas. And he's who, about to get married. Who's about to get married <laughs> to, to a, a woman <laughs> who, for the past three years, I thought was gay. I thought Mark Agee was an openly gay man. And, and I, not only that, you like use him as an example? Not o- exactly. Not only an openly gay, I used this man as an example of non-stereotypical gay, openly gay comedians for years now. And, but no one's ever corrected me. And it all started, I was in, I was in Dallas, uh, I remember, like Dallas last year, and all the comedians in Dallas were talking about how if you wanted to be different as a comedian, you had to move to Austin or you had to, you know, move to another city. And I was like, that's true, but also you could be from here. I mean, look at Mark Agee. And all of them knew who Mark Agee was. And I was like, I mean, he's open. Like, that guy is from here, and he did comedy here, and he thrived. And I guess none of them 
You know, they were all like, yeah. And they were all thinking, because Mark's funny. And I'm like, yeah, Mark's funny. But I was like, because he's, but he's openly gay. Everyone knows that. Like, I thought, and I don't know why. I mean, he's super ripped. Is that, maybe that's what it is. He's though. super ripped. He's he got the beard. He's a good dresser. He's friendly. <laughs> he has a soft voice. His skin doll is always lotioned. Um, he has lots of knowledge of politics. <laughs> I mean, it's all I love, complimentary. I love, now, I love now that all, all, <laughs> the, I th- all the gay cliches yeah. are purely positive attributes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, certainly. Just, if you're a great person. Like, yeah, well, I think he's you're... good to his family. Yeah. He does a lot of charity work. <laughs> right, 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 right. He taught me how to speak Latin, the dead language. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, he's fucking... It was a shocker. I was like... Did he tell you how shocked I was? <laughs> no, he didn't tell that part. Because I, I was just like in the... We were at the sh- it was at a show couple... Or Saturday. I was in the green room like shocked like yeah. you're not you're gay, not gay. You're and me. i was sort of bummed like one less gay friend yeah I, one, you know? i'm less tolerant than i thought god I was, I damn guess. it I yeah. I, yeah. so i've liked you because you're straight no. <laughs> I'm that reminds me, i, was I feel at, deceived i was at a party and somebody uh i came late and everyone was sitting around this fire pit in the person's backyard and there was only one seat left and it was next to this guy in a wheelchair so i sat down there i started talking to him for like 20 minutes i'm like this guy's this guy's great. Like he's not letting this get to him at all. Like I kind of like like to cut this guy's jib. Super yeah. good guy. And he's like, "You want a beer? I'm gonna go get one." Then he stands up and walks and goes into the house. I'm like, "Fuck this guy! I hate this yeah. guy! I don't like this." And that, then I was like, "Wait, why? Why would someone have like a a wheelchair as a seating option in their backyard? What kind of maniac has that as like lawn furniture that you can just sit on?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can think of two people who you know who it was. It was yeah, it was that person. Yeah. I think you were there when it happened, but then I suddenly like reevaluated this. I was like, "Do I actually like this person, or was I giving them like this like wheelchair benefit of the doubt, or like this guy's such a solid dude? Like he's so brave to have right. over- like were you being the super patronizing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that is a good that. point. Like, yeah, and you've got a great sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, 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 I hated myself once he stood up. I was like, "What was I? Oh, I got to reevaluate everything about this guy." That- <laughs> That's kind of on him, though, too, right? I mean, it's on both of us. Like, no, it speaks think, to my yeah. own inner prejudices that but I'm going to give I, this most, condescending benefit of the doubt to somebody. He didn't bring kind of. the wheelchair, though, if I'm right about this. Like, he, no, yeah, he just sat down where there was a seat. There was just right. like, there was a there was a house that happened to... Oh, he, oh okay, he didn't so, bring yeah. the wheelchair. Okay. No, so the house owned a wheelchair, and at a like you know a, a gathering where there's limited... Only, people only have the a certain... They're like, well, that's a place to sit. Um Emery Emery, fast guest of the show. That wasn't who it was. No, I know it wasn't. But he spent a year pretending to be in a wheelchair. This is a thing. This is a thing that he did as an experiment. He had. I I never quite got to the full. (laughs) Wait, who is this? Oh, yeah. Emery Emery, do you know Emery? Is the host of the Ardent, Ardent Atheist podcast? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, you totally know that podcast. You've been, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. been in the place with. That, the, yeah. There is the wheelchair in that living room. You would have seen it. Oh, yeah, my God. yeah, yeah. A year. He he now sits in that wheelchair to edit because they're comfortable chairs, which makes sense because well, they're designed yeah, for exactly. people to spend a lot of time in them. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're actually super comfortable. Oh, my God. The problem with wheelchairs, too, is that, like, if there is one mm-hmm. and no one's in it, which is a good situation. Yeah. And I'm at the person's house, and I'm comfortable with the person. I will sit in that wheelchair, and I will zoom around, Play around yeah, and I will pop wheelies, oh, yeah. and I will, you know. And it's like I've never made enough uh, to do the wheelie. I get too scared. Yeah, I don't know how you can be sure you're not going to fall over backwards. When you you have, I think you have to be willing to risk falling over backwards. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and it's it's crazy too because I knew there was a kid in New Orleans um, who recently died. Who it was unfortunate. I mean, he had some very uh, some degenerative. Muscle disease. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he died recently. He was a good kid. He was a comic in New Orleans who was in like a motorized wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, he had a, 
an amazing sense of humor about it. Yeah. An amazing. He did a bit once where he got on stage and he was like, all right, everyone. The doctors, uh, I th- they think they found a way for me to walk again. And, you know, as in the audience, you're going to be like, oh, clap a little bit. And he's like, well, that's the secret. You guys need to applaud. If you applaud loud enough, <laughs> the doctors say I can stand. And so everybody started applauding. And he, like, fake trying to get up. And he was like, that's not, no, not enough. You need to <laughs> applaud louder. And people just start clapping really loud, like sort of awkwardly. Like, and he was like, no, and he, that's not loud enough. Louder. And people were just at, like total as loud as they possibly could at fever pitch yeah. and then he go oh I just got the light folks anyway thanks again <laughs> we'll try again next time and he would do that his name was Jonah Bassel he was a fucking wonderful kid Jonah Bassel um, and that was the thing he would do and it was like man he had, that's a that's serious ballsy. that is a sense of humor about yeah. your condition buddy Did that like piss off the audience <laughs> I mean like, it was reaction? one of those things where it was like the comedians loved it and it was like if you're an audience member and you get pissed at him for that fuck you fuck you yeah. forever like that's but I love that because it makes you challenge yeah. every exactly. it makes you think about your prejudices and makes yeah. you challenge how you see it's great it's perfect yeah um, it's amazing well hey. you know what uh, in the future we might be able to cure things like that degenerative muscle disease thanks to some advances in genetics that are pretty controversial uh, we got an email today from Jake Young who was telling us to listen Jake to Young. last week's Radiolab episode which I did and we're not going to piggyback on Radiolab um, but it was a very interesting episode about uh, CRISPR, which is an acronym that stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, which are uh, sections of DNA that have these short repetitions of base sequences. And uh, it was discovered, I think this is in the last 20 years, this has been something that's been researched, that in between those repeated sections of DNA, there are these um, sections of what look like, I'm sorry, and this is in in... In, uh, in bacteria, they found these sections of DNA that in between those repeated sections, they find the DNA of viruses, and they found out that was a defense mechanism so that when um, those bacteria encounter those viruses, they have the means to send out something. I don't remember the exact mechanism of it, but um, basically it, it, it paved the way to allow us to unzip and cut out and replace certain genes because of how this mechanism attacks viruses based on having some of that virus within its own DNA. So this has been a big thing that's been in the news recently with, um, with designer babies, designer DNA within 20 years, we'll probably be at the point that we really can choose to isolate certain parts of our genes and, and change them if we want to. And it's been pretty controversial in China. They've already done it to some embryos, but they didn't bring them to term. They were just doing it to try it. And everyone's like, ah, this is some, scary Frankenstein kind of shit. Um, but another listener just sent in an article about how uh, there is a, we have a kill switch for some of these. Oh wait, why are you looking for this? I forgot that I was saying something earlier. I totally fucking realized I was saying something about Vanderbilt mm-hmm. in the SEC. Like every other school in the SEC is like in the like hundred ranking of universities uh-huh. and below, but it's all terrible schools. All big state state school dumb fucking places. Vanderbilt great football like, programs, yeah, bad exactly. Schools, yeah. And Vanderbilt's like nineteenth in the country as far as like. And does he does he even have sports? Oh yeah, guys? it has it all. Baseball. Oh. Nate Bargatze, a huge Vandy fan. But oh yeah, because they, they make it to like the uh, right. March Madness all the time. They yeah, do, yeah. Okay, but like education wise, they're in the top way 20. ahead of the rest. So of them. it's like yeah. the really smart kid lumped in with just a bunch of bumbling like <laughs> right, right, right. Bunch of fucking buffoons like don't eat the bull don't yeah. eat the, stop <laughs> eating the bull bull tastes good <laughs> alright eat the bull 
Can we get another couple of bulls here? <laughs> They'll eat the bulls. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're incubators for antivirus bacteria. <laughs> and- <laughs> so anyhow, so scientists developed this new kill switch to destroy genetically modified organisms that escape. So if this does happen down the line, we have a sort of a, a, a backdoor to keep this from being, uh, you know, some kind of apocalyptic matrixy event or something. Um, a so, kill switch. Yeah, they published in Nature Communications recently that the system would use cutting-edge gene editing tools to erase DNA as soon as a given organism leaves its designated area, destroying both the cell and its genetic information. And the result is a so-called kill switch, eradicating any experimental or proprietary organisms before they can escape into the wild. Uh, as, as GMO has become more ambitious and widespread, researchers have grown increasingly interested in containment techniques. And in February, a group of Harvard scientists published a kill switch system that used amino acids to accomplish that. And uh, in that system, synthetic organisms would die without regular access to a specific amino acid found only in the containment area. So as a result, no cells would be able to survive too long in the wild, cutting down the risk of an accidental release, as well as the inherent danger of creating and experimenting with new self-replicating organisms. Still scary shit. Like, it's still uh, this CRISPR gene editing system has been one of the most exciting developments in biotech recently, um, but also controversial. It's a collection of naturally occurring molecules that, when deployed right, can be used to cut out and replace sections of a cell's DNA. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the line would be, and that's what they're talking about in Radiolab, is like, uh, once you get to the point that you can, for an extra fee, decide that your baby's not gonna, is going to have uh, the, the Alzheimer's gene cut out of it, or whatever, like how, but, but then also the like, you can make yeah. it tall. Not the price, oh, you mean the price. Like, not if like you, by, by cutting out that Alzheimer's gene, like, what, uh, also it's gene for capacity, but or what, it's capacity but for Honestly, human. what if it didn't even have any negative side effects, but it was just like, yeah. we can edit every part, we can make them tall, we can give them blonde hair, we can get rid of Alzheimer's, like, even if there were no negative side effects, that's also chilling, just the fact that you could alter everything well, ahead of time. That, that's, that's something I personally have been expecting for a while. Like, yeah, but like, what do you? Those, where do you draw the line? Like, uh, I can see who would say no to the stopping a disease, but then are you allowed to say no to a height change or to some other thing that's like beneficial but not necessary? Well, if or, there's that, that's that, that's what it's going to become though. If it become if if it gets because that that's also the problem too. If I might, uh, to me, it's like goes back to this like people just having kids and not thinking about the the impact the impact on the earth, yeah, the implications of society. It's also like. There are so many people out there. Let's just face it. They have children because they have nothing in their life. They have they well, did. I mean, it's true. Like if you know, if people have children because I've heard I've heard people say it like, what else am I going to do? What else do I have going on? It is sort like, of the point of a, of an organism's existence, kind of, if you want to well, get. I, I feel like I feel like I'm, I'm never going to have children. That's because I'd like to try and uh, my contribution to society will be something else. Yeah. And a lot of people think that I'm gonna have a kid, and I'm a, this kid's gonna succeed in every way that I did not. So that'll be my contribution. And once this becomes, if it becomes, yeah. then it'll just become people being like, "Well, yeah, I suck, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save money. Yeah. I'm gonna have a kid. That kid's gonna be tall. He's gonna be a quarterback. He's gonna be smart too. So when he's done being a quarterback, he can be president. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then you're gonna it's gonna create this fucking race of the race to create a race of super beings that will ultimately turn on us and destroy us all which by the way so, also that technology is going to be that technology is going to be mostly accessible to the people who are already the elite yeah exactly yeah the uh, well they're at so, least the money and power elite if not the biological elite yeah but then they'll be able to have offspring they'll be more able to focus that wealth 
I tell and you power. What, I tell you what, man. It's one of those things where it's yeah. like, you, I, yeah. I, personally, I say you draw the line. Fucking just sorry, we draw the line on this. So entirely. you can't even. So you can cut out the disease that would kill, and you say no to that also. Or because where do you I because I don't like, feel like I feel like okay. I feel like life is all about balance, and there, that, that that there's just no yeah. way there's no negative side what effect. If, what here. if you cut out the disease that kills the next Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> Not that, but like, what if? Let's just hypothetically speaking. Once again, I'm an idiot, but let's just say that. The, the 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 gene that contains the possibility for Alzheimer's, right, is mm-hmm. also the same gene. It's connected to the gene that would prevent a kid from being a sociopath. Yeah, but I'm saying that if it, as, as, if a, as, a, as out, a thought experiment, what if we just say that's not a possibility? Even without uh, that, that's, I, sti- I, just, still... I just feel like that's a God complex thing because it's like light, there's consequences for every action. Yeah, but if you're okay, but I'll play along. Like, but I'm, yeah, yeah. If, if there were, then it would be easy to say no to all of it. If yeah. you can say there are definitely consequences, but if you get to the point if that there's it's none? safe and there's no consequences, it's still murky. It is still it's not yeah. Like it it's suddenly still, becomes okay. It's almost w- scarier when there's no side effects because then you can just say, well, I can make it exactly to my specifications. It being the the baby. If there was a way they could, if there was a way they could tell from the moment of conception. Uh-huh. That there would be issues, and they could then splice, but that's not that's after the fact. No, maybe they could. That's I mean, uh, what's I, it called? That's stillborn splicing or whatever. It's, I mean, maybe <laughs> there's maybe there's going to be a way that you can do you know amniotic tests or other kinds of tests yeah. where you'll know all the things that could go wrong, and you'll be able to say which of them do you want to turn off. Like I don't know. I'm just saying, like yeah. even if you get to that point, it's still it's it's spooky. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you want to let it. Yeah, like. Oh man, that's yeah, fucking. It's not really God easy. damn it! And I, I hate that we're piggybacking on last week's radio. I want to splice. I want to splice a perfect answer here. <laughs> I want to splice all the wrong answers out and all the good shit in. But at least the part of it that we're talking about that wasn't in their episode is about this this kill switch. So it focuses on the DNA removal part of CRISPR, deleting genes entirely rather than replacing them. And researchers test out the system in a limited model using E. coli bacteria and pre-established trigger mechanisms. Trigger warning! Uh, if the test model came in contact with a specific sugar molecule called arabinose, it would trigger the CRISPR system to delete a specified portion of the E. coli DNA, resulting in the death of the cell. Wait a minute. So you're saying that if you genetically splice together what is uh, hypothetically a perfect human being, and then you could tell it's not going to be perfect, you kill it? Yeah. That's Wait, that's like not... That's wait. That's the wrong voice to use for a conservative. But actually, that's already what they've done. China's already done this. Yeah, to like already... eighty embryos. Oh, like, oh, oh not, don't worry, we're that, not going to yeah. actually like bring these to term. We're just going to try it out, and it wasn't very successful. It, it worked in like twenty of the eighty or so. And I don't know which genes they were changing, but um, hey, a genetically spliced human has a right to live. <laughs> We shouldn't kill him. Wait, no, no, it's fine. You remember Jesus was a swordfish. <laughs> That's why he had the sword to to, to abort. Yeah, it's like you to change the bumper sticker from my boss is a Jewish carpenter to my boss is an androgynous swordfish. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he had the sword part to abort uh, splice feces that weren't going to work out. Or sawfish. What they sawfish. call it? species? Feces? I said splice feces. <laughs> He's going to genetically mutate splice feces. That- Matt, Matt, what do you think about this? Yeah. Being kind of the British guy's been quiet. Oh, uh, he's planning stuff. Uh-oh. Well, I've got a lab going. Yeah, <laughs> he's looking good. Beakers and shit. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with how my experiment's working out. <laughs> it's looking pretty tall. Yeah. It's good at catching. Yeah, yeah. It's good at speeches. Now, what would catching? I mean, I, oh, I guess rugby. Well, any sport. <laughs> catching sport important. involves catching. Yeah. Like, almost. If except for the foot gene, sports. Yeah. Except for, yeah. Now you got to get a goalie. Except for the most popular sport on the planet. Yeah. 
And then goalies, yeah. So he'll be a goalie. Everybody wants to catch. Yeah. He'll be a goalie who can speak well, who gives you know, a goalie, uh, yeah. Maybe that's what you do is like you just limit it like those uh, really snooty pizza places where like more than two toppings ruins the integrity of the of the thin crust pizza. So we won't honor those requests. So you get two changes. God like they can be I'm tall. Somebody came out and said that. or not have cancer or, you know, they get two things or just yeah just one or two yeah I, 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 two yeah. it's like no substitutions except for two, you can do two gene like, splices I like it when baby. menus like say at the bottom of them we respectfully, respectfully decline substitutions decline. you <laughs> pompous ass respectfully at the chef's discretion like I love that you're gonna go into the kitchen and ask his opinion of whether you can put artichokes on there's it. a place in LA downtown LA or in Chinatown LA I went to yesterday it's called uh, the Jewel of New Orleans in uh-huh. Chinatown um, it's the only, it's the closest thing I've ever experienced to an actual New Orleans. It's like, it's oh. very authentic. The problem is whenever a New Orleans restaurant tries to open up shop, even if the chef is born in the French Quarter and taught to cook on a fucking tugboat, once they get to another city, they try and over it. Yeah. You know, which this place is slightly guilty of. But I will say I ate there yesterday. I was like, Okay. Okay. 4.6 stars. Well on, fucking done. And I talked up. to the chef and he had that. I didn't talk to him. He, he, the chef actually came out and gave away a po' boy. To, and the, the, the question was almost like, is this a setup for something else? Right, like, right. What, were the, what, would a, what would a New Orleans uh, Pelicans, formerly the Hornets, what was they called before that? Which is a good New Orleans accent. And it was like, the jazz. And he was like, there he goes. Free soft shell crab po' boy. <laughs> and I was like, wow. But he was actually, he's actually from New Orleans. And you could tell... A true New Orleans accent because it sounds like their tongue is tiptoeing around in their mouth because their mouth is hot. <laughs> That's how a true New Orleans accent sounds like that for a man now. It's like the, the, the tongue don't want to touch no part of their mouth for too long because they're hot there. Hot from all that crystal hot sauce. From all that tone of saturates. Anywho. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the site for Little Jewel of New Orleans. Shit. And this is a this is an epidemic with New Orleans with Cajun food. Uh, the fourteen dollar po' boy. What happened here? Let's, that is uh, that is because people will pay that. Okay, Let's because that, that same po' boy is you know six bucks in in New in New Orleans. Okay, so it still is yeah true to its roots. But my back point there. there is there is one of those places where they strongly recommend you do not substitute. Okay, so you get but a half muffaletta. Ah, who half po' boy? You have muffaletta and. <laughs> Call him Muffalata Woods. <laughs> Andy Wood. No, that's Muffalata Wood. Muffalata. Muffalata? Muffalata Wood, there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to this place, guys. This episode sponsored by Little Jewel of New Orleans. I could I could listen to you doing that accent for a, a month. Why don't you just move to New Orleans for a month <laughs> and hear it from some real... You actually won't hear it much in New Orleans because it's such a uh, transplant city now. You'll yeah. still hear it, but you get like... An hour. You got to go south or east. Don't go west or north of the city because that's where all the fucking idiots live. They live south and east as well. But is that uh, that's where you start to really hear when you get down there and like? What's the most gentrified neighborhood? What's the one that's like most played up? Besides, it's a, like the, it's a the combination of the Marini and the Bywater, which are right next to each other. Okay, Bywater neighborhood. They named it that because it's Bywater. <laughs> it's right there on the river now. But the Marini, I don't exactly know what that's named after. But those two areas pre-Katrina, they weren't. Bad, yeah. But they definitely weren't hang out after 10 p.m. Good, you okay. know what I mean? Like there was two bars. There was Mimi's and the Saturn Bar. You went to one or the other, and you kind of stayed. One was in the Marini, one's in the Bywater. Now that area, it's like the Echo Park of or really? the or the the Bushwick of New Orleans. Okay, but okay. it's it, they're still beautiful. Like there's 
I know everybody who loves their, the city they're from will say this, but like there is an integrity maintained where a lot of the the gentrified neighborhoods they didn't price too many like the locals weren't exactly priced out. They sort of were the ones who did the pricing out, and, and they benefited from the increased yeah man I mean, visibility. Like, or but the, then again, there's also now talk. There's also now these idiots like every good neighborhood are like coming in and like well, what you guys need is a high rise and some condos to get some right. real money down here and it's like ah, don't do it just leave it and then there's the ninth ward which is the next neighborhood over which was that was the underwater one destroyed by Katrina and still there are, t- there are chunks of it that aren't their houses still there from the storm but they've become now tour there, there's now tours you can take which is another business that are because of katrina they're like this is where yeah, the bad things yeah, happen katrina like, tours. Yeah. but it's so it's a it's a weird line there where it's like why don't they bulldoze it ah because people are making money off of it but who are these people are they locals hopefully yes okay then that's okay yeah and let's i'd rather i personally would rather there be tours of a damaged neighborhood or of a devastated neighborhood than that neighborhood get bulldozed and it start. It always That's starts. True. It always starts with like green housing, and then the next thing you know, it's now green condominiums, now a green office building. Now, guess what? Culture. Ha! What are you from the twentieth century? <laughs> Culture is a thing of the past, buddy. Now we've got cultural centers. Yeah, the first floor of this high rise is going to be dedicated to culture. Like exactly. The culture kids can hang out there. It's a cultural center. Are you having a wedding reception? <laughs> Ten thousand dollar wedding reception. Yeah, Matt, you should go to New Orleans. Andy, I, you should go. To New I would love to. In, I've never in, uh, January for the one of the festivals. And oh uh, yeah, you went to the wrong one. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, no, it was fun. Um, I've never been. I, 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 <laughs> You've never been. I've never been, and I really want to go. Okay, it's a really fun city. Uh, There's a bit of me that's like, I, my stupid comedy head goes like, I don't want to go to a city if I don't have a show book to do there. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's every yeah. That's, that's every that perfect sense. Travel on my own dime to. Yeah. Wait, um, pay money to go to a place? You, you drink? I do drink. Yes, you do. It's a drinking city. Yeah, man. You, have, you, you eat. I do also eat, <laughs> but you don't have any like. You're not a vegetarian. I I don't eat meat. I but do eat fish. Vegetarian? I do eat. Yeah. Okay, then you're set. Yeah. Seafood is the, the. Okay, you're set. We're good. We'll figure this out. Yeah, it's um, great. And I had I had the dumb luck of running into Jonah Ray when I was there as he was filming his thing that you were great in, by the way. Oh, thank you. And oh, I also I, saw that. It was yeah, great. Can nice. we talk about this? I don't know if it's yeah, like, sure. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know how public it is. Yeah, I think it's, he's not. Oh, you know what? He he played it. I think at a meltdown. He did. Like, right, meltdown. Right, right. So audience members have seen it. So it's it was he, like a, it's a pilot for a spoof travel show. Yeah, right, it's like Reno nine one one crossed yeah. with Anthony Bourdain or something. Yeah, um, it's very funny and it's. I am huge... very briefly in it because I read into him the night before, and he was like, "Come down to the waterfront tomorrow. We'll put you in a scene." And yeah. you're in it, and Tamorge is in it. Yeah, yeah, it you was it was fun as so shit. Funny. The problem is uh, the network that he showed it to, which is a good network. They're doing good things. They just said it was too dark, nah, so now what? he's shopping it around to other places. But <laughs> that's the blues. Yeah, that's that's just <laughs> too dark. Tamorge. I'll show you too dark. <laughs> yeah, too dark. That shit. That that. Give me a five six whiskey shot. Now now it's too dark. <laughs> Wake up the next day with a headache, makes you wish it was light outside, but it, but then you don't want. It's too. Never mind now. <laughs> Sean, what? What have you got coming up, and where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, um, I will be on season two of the Meltdown with Joan and Kumail, nice. which airs on June thirtieth. I don't think I'm in it till the later episodes, but either way, it's a great show. You should watch every episode. But I'm in that. Um, my website, SeanOliverPatton.com. I have updates about shows and whatnot and where I am. And uh, you got an album as well? <clears throat> I have an album. It's called Standard Operating Procedure. You can get it on the, from the website. Um, 
I'm in the process of uh, negotiating how to shoot my hour special later this year. Nice. Uh, independent. Uh, and then get out there. So look for that in 2016, hopefully. Hopefully it's one of those uh, hour specials these days. It's, they're, 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 it's they're, a thing. They're a lot. There are a lot. But you Remember when they used to just be like, just Carlin and Gallagher? Yeah. They were the only two. You're but like, I, but I what like type of comedian do you want to see? It's a great, I think it's a great, <laughs> Which of the two types? It's a great era for distribution, though. Like, you know, with Netflix doing a lot of specials that I feel like are probably getting a lot more visibility than they would if they were just buried yeah. late night on cable, right? Maybe? Well, well I yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, like, with the disappearance of the working middle class in America, <laughs> it, it, has, it has created the emergence of the middle class in entertainment. And I'm not, I am certainly not the first person to point out the middle class. In fact, the first time I ever heard that phrase was at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival with Jimmy Dore and Todd Glass and Paula Tompkins doing a live podcast there uh. talking about the middle class of comedy. I was like, like you're oh, making that, a living. Yeah, like, that's interesting. You're working cool. comic. But that was years ago. But now it's like, oh, yeah, that certainly is what Which it is. It's weird because the UK is currently going very much the other way. When, like, when I started in Britain in 2001... Mm-hmm. What guess would be described as the middle class was incredibly strong in that within a couple of years of doing comedy, once I got good enough to get like a decent mm-hmm. working twenty minute set, right. I was making a living. Like right, I was right. making a good living, and there were loads and loads of comedians making just a decent living with a good twenty minute set, just yeah. playing the, the playing the many clubs. And what started to happen recently is a bit of a collapse of that middle band, yeah. and an absolute flooding of. The very top end and the very bottom end. So there's this flooded open mic circuit, yeah. and then there's like ten people selling out arenas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then people in the middle, the clubs are starting to suffer a bit. Like you have to do never a lot mind of my... the buzzcocks. Right. Well, it kind of is. Like it's like yeah. if you're not on TV now, um, and mock the week and various other shows, but yeah. But if you're not on the, a lot of my comedian, like a lot of my good friends back home are saying, yeah, some of the clubs. They're having to patch together weekends when they never used to. They, yeah. you know, used to be able to go like every weekend would be. You do the fun little gigs midweek, but then the weekends would be you go to a club and you stay there for three days, and you stay in that hotel and then you go back to London. And now it's like, yeah, that club only runs Saturday nights now. Yeah, and that club or this club only runs Friday nights. So and now you've got to jump around the country and. Yeah, I um that that is uh, Roisin Conaty who yeah. we both know and has been on the show. Yeah, she's doing pretty well. She's doing there. great. Yeah, yeah. Rasheen's um, getting enough TV out there, and deservedly so, that she's yeah. building a nice following. I actually, I remember being, did you, did you ever do the Glee Clubs? Yes, they're there? great clubs. Yeah, yeah. Are those literally Glee they're Clubs? They're called the Glee Clubs. What is the, the no, comedy no, club? It's a comedy club called the Glee Club, yeah. which, by the way, sued the TV show Glee, I think successfully. What? Uh, what? When it's, when they... Because they had the trademark of that For in the, the UK. The concept of Glee. Yeah. I mean, it says the, on the state. I, I only did the one in Oxford. Oh, okay, that's the one. Um, that's a relatively new one yeah. that used to be a jungler's. And that, that was the out. one. I that was that was the only time I truly ever bombed in the UK. All right, was because it was just a quick. It was like a ten minute set. But here's the thing about the UK: they don't get. At least I've never experienced it. They don't give you a light. They simply tell you your time, and it seems like it's up to you to know when to get off. Some clubs, yeah. yeah some a lot of the bigger clubs, you can ask for a light. Or yeah. they were just some like, of the clubs do right. But. They were like ten minutes, and I was like, okay. And I was expecting a light at some point, and I just <laughs> yes. never got one and did like twenty. But yeah, I used to just know my t- what my what twenty minutes was roughly, or have a watch on stage. And also, oh. every comic when I started out when we were new, um, there was this particular type of Casio watch with a vibrating alarm that ah, every comic yeah. would have. 
Well, that was that was. You could always spot who the comics were in the room if you. Didn't I can't know remember like, oh, the other that. comedians on that show. Uh, they were all very funny, and I I just want to, if you listen to the Match podcast, I apologize for that. <laughs> Awful 20 minutes set. It was also because I never want a guy told me later it's because they wanted me to talk about being an American and I never did. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I just got on stage and just rambled or just just talk. What, what kind of club it's tells also, you what also, your topic should be? Like, and they're like, he doesn't know. Nah, he hasn't addressed his. <laughs> he's unaware that he has an American accent. Uh, but um, it's like if you go on with like an eye patch or something and like uh, never talk. And like, how does he not? Wow, I want, to hear, I want to hear about that peg leg. <laughs> yeah, like you're a full pirate with a parrot and never reference it. That would actually, just how I dress. Yeah. That would actually be an interesting uh, show of like you give a comedian some like obvious physical affectation. Yeah, you and they, and you cannot talk about it. You <laughs> just have to do your normal material. You have to just do how strong is your set, man? You're going on because you're going on stage with a blindfold on. <laughs> It's never ever <laughs> you never talk about why you're blindfolded. <laughs> Held onto the stage. Like, yeah. If you fall off the stage, get back on. Never yeah. once address like, that you got blindfolded. one giant swastika earring, like just a dangling swastika from your right ear. I think if you're you're blindfolded and have like a, a fake donkey tail in your hand, yeah. <laughs> but again, just never just gesturing with it, but not never uh, never refer to it. We don't know what's gonna happen. Happen. This guy's funny, but I need to know about the goddamn donkey tail. <laughs> Got to shut down hecklers if someone starts being like, "What's up with the donkey tail?" What your wife? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and I'll come down know? to where you work and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and pin the tail on your donkey. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I love it. Someone's got to make that show. Uh, well, listen, sure. thank you so. Oh, we forgot. We've got some. We got some donors to thank. Oh, uh, we do. Donors. We, we we'll be quick. To do that, but. Uh, in all the, in all the crazy yeah weird compound episode, but thank you, um, Eric Fracious, another cool weird name, who wanted Andy to say something. He said if Andy could work J Dog, you're a bitch into the next podcast. That would be fucking awesome. So that's he's that's done what it. Just happened, but yeah. he just did that. And thank you for donating, uh, Emma Tan. Thank you very much for donating, uh, and. Emma donated the amount for a box of daffodil tea. Thank you, Emma. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan Callahan donated and also said, get well, get better, Jesse. And then a uh, uh, generous donation from Matt Mayfield. Thank you very much, Matt. Just sent me a check directly and didn't mention in an email that it was going to be coming. I just got a check from a stranger. I'm like, I guess I'm cashing this. And then I had to Google, I had to search my email inbox to see who that was. So uh, thank you, Matt Mayfield. Thank, thank you, everyone. You can donate at propertyscience.com. Uh, there's a donate button. If you're buying anything on Amazon, there is our Amazon li- uh, link there. Why not set that as the bookmark on your web browser so you never have to remember to use it? It costs you no extra money. We got a little kickback. Um, and if you're not able to donate and you're not shopping on Amazon, the other thing you can do is to spread the word. Tell loads of people about the show. Write nice things about us on iTunes. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Also, subscribe to Jesse vs. Cancer. And you can also email him at comedy at gmail.com. Thank you for the nice things you've already sent. That's been super cool. Um, don't be dicks. Don't be don't dicks. Be dicks. Yeah. And we'll get Jesse back on here the next time he's back in LA. Yeah, or, or possibly we'll Skype in. And, or, yeah, yeah we so, yeah, you won't have heard the last of Jesse on this podcast by a long shot. And thank you very much for joining us, Sean Patton. No, thank yeah, you, guys. It was a pleasure. For having me sitting out here in this lovely California. Oh, it's getting a little hot. Area. It's getting the pool, guys. Yeah, it's getting a little hot. I wonder why. Right? Hmm? Hmm? Big oil? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.